Welcome to Respect the Dead, the podcast where we don't. Emergency episode. Sweaty, it's no surprise that everyone celebrated your demise. And now, worms are eating your eyes. So don't you worry, rotting head, as you sleep in your sodden bed. It's time to respect the dead. Ding dong, the queen is dead. Which old queen? You know which queen. Ding dong, the queen is definitely dead. Hey ho, there she goes in a box down below. Say it loud, the queen is definitely dead. Hi everyone, by the way, welcome back to Respect the Dead, the podcast where we don't. I don't know how we're like. I don't know how different this one is. This is an emergency episode. Um, emergency, emergency, emergency episode. <laughs> it's an emergency episode. I don't know if you noticed, but like. A queen just died. A literal fucking queen. For many places, the queen just died. Yeah. So our first order of business is to just like rehash the day and how the news broke. And like how Mandy was getting her fucking tattoo (laughs) done while Caitlin and I were losing our goddamn minds in the group chat. So so here's how we have to tell the story. You two have to explain your side of things. And then I need to explain my side of things. So you two go first. (laughs) Okay. So I... I was working uh, on a video, so I had the group chat muted. Not the Respect the Dead group chat, our YouTuber group chat. So I didn't know what was going on right away. I knew that there was the possibility, but then I saw Hoots send a message Mm -hmm. in the Respect the Dead chat, and I'm like, oh no, did this happen? Is this happening? And then I started losing my fucking shit. Like legitimately, I think I'm going to try and plug in some of the voice notes we were sending. (laughs) Yeah, we got to go back over them. (gasps) Yes, please do. (laughs) They were amazing. Uh, Just coming in to say that's not happening. Oh my God, I'm so tired. It's been like nine hours. I've been editing for like nine hours. I knew that Mandy was at her tattoo appointment because she had brought it up earlier. And I was like, fuck, we need to legitimately plan this right now. Um, I don't know what was happening on Hoots's end, but I think it was something fairly similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was working. Um, I, I clean a yoga studio once a week in exchange for lessons. And I was there. Um, so I was just like in the back room. Not working. <laughs> Cleaning, yeah, <laughs> cleaning yoga mats, but I was really just like on my phone. Um, <laughs> and like, I was like, I was like, I had my fingers crossed that she wasn't going to die. I was oh, like, yeah. pulled out. Like, we I'm just wanted her to please, suffer a little because, longer like, so that we had time to really put something good ugh, together. This is, <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is like worst time, worst possible weekend for you to die. We've got so much going on at the moment. We, at the time we were planning on doing a stream um, yeah. for mm-hmm. one of our other projects, but that ended up getting postponed because a couple of our friends ended up getting COVID. We were like, oh God, we've got a little bit more time to work on Elizabeth. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so I was like slowly filling with dread and my phone was because I've got, um, obviously my yeah. Twitter and, um, I, I'm signed into the respect the dead Twitter account on my phone as well. Um, so between those two accounts, my phone never stopped lighting up all day. I think I charged it like four times that day because like all day, even before she died, but especially just like after the news was announced. Oh, cause we were hearing like this skeleton rush to be by her side. Yeah. 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 
Megan and Harry are on the way back to the palette. Like th- there was a lot of like, oh, it's not looking good. And Twitter was just like yeah. sitting around like a bunch of excited kids, just like, oh, oh, is it happening? Is it happening? So I remember I was yeah. seeing some of that too before I went into my um, my tattoo appointment. Literally, I yeah. had hours of like <laughs> night before Christmas, like, yeah. oh my yeah. god, I wonder what <laughs> exactly. we're gonna get. Yeah, and I like my phone was like lighting up like crazy. People were like, Queen Elizabeth episode when? When are we doing it? Is it gonna happen? Oh are my god! Yeah, <laughs> I'm watching refreshing respect the dead, and I was like getting these notifications all day and i was like fuck we can't no absolutely not episode because like people are like They're thirsty people yeah. are begging us <laughs> they're yeah. salivating and then it happened and it like it ramped up like tenfold like people were just like mm-hmm. constantly tweet especially like <laughs> especially british and irish people were like please yep <laughs> <was> like, oh. <laughs> Okay, we we have to do that. And I was like, oh my god, she she was literally ninety. That, that's a lot of content. She had so much life. There's so much. Like, so much. So Jesus. like, <laughs> really, almost a hundred years of content. And she's she's been a queen since she was twenty five. So she's been yeah. like. most of her life yeah so on my side of things right so like again i was also seeing some of this stuff um i'm not logged in to respect it on my phone wow um but i like i was still seeing i'm gonna fix it um (laughs) because i haven't done it yet um I, so like, I'm, I'm seeing that stuff and we're talking about it in that, like that the YouTuber group chat we were just talking about. Um, and so then I go into my appointment, which was around noon and I, so like for me in, I, so I got the octopus on my, my shoulder, which you, I mean, the people listening to can't see, but there's pictures of it on, on, uh, Twitter. If you could, it looks amazing. It looks amazing. It's <laughs> it looks so, really he cool. did such a great yeah. job, but it did take, it, it's a pretty good size tattoo. This is my largest tattoo I've gotten to date. It took three hours to do all of this. And for me, with a tattoo like this size and just generally in tattoos, I kind of just need to zone out. Like I sort of, quote, took a nap in the sense that I just like closed my eyes and tried to disassociate for three hours. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't have my phone with me the entire time. My phone was in my purse. And that was also because I didn't want to be like looking at stuff and accidentally like reacting and then tattoo something (laughs) weird. Or yeah, I didn't want to like fuck him up. And and, and that seemed to work great for him. We did not talk most of three hours. It was silent. Oh, that sounds amazing. (laughs) It was great. It was amazing. I loved it. Um, when so then, I got my last tattoo, he was like, so what do you think about this whole COVID thing? And I'm like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan, actually. I stand her. Yes, little coronavirus. Look at her with her little, like, cute little crown. Cute little That's crown. a queen. I'm like, I actually have a uh, podcast about dead people, so she's been very helpful. Oh, I did bring up a podcast, actually, before the uh, during the appointment at one point, like, before he got started. We were talking, and he was just like he was doing the tracing and he's like so what so what things are you up to and it's like well i am i have a podcast where we talk about dead people and i told him about a couple of the episodes and mentioned mother Teresa. he's like what did mother Teresa do i was like oh honey wait, wait for it <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> what didn't she do <laughs> i just constantly draw fucking the podcast all the goddamn time um so yeah so like i leave the appointment i open my phone and i have like 130 <laughs> messages or something like that on whatsapp and I'm like oh okay Okay. And I also, the very first message I saw was actually from Caption Boy, my, my partner in Texas, who's like, so are you going to do an episode about her? And I'm like, oh, okay. He's probably talking about the queen if she dies. But then I opened the group chat and I just start seeing uh, Kaylin and Hoots in our actual group chat being like, oh shit, the bitch is dead. Oh wait, she died at the worst time. Can we make <laughs> an episode happen? And I'm trying to catch up. I'm listening to voice messages. And at a certain point, I, I hit the 
catch up to the bottom of the chat because I was curious to see where we're at. And in all caps, I just see, Mandy, we can see the read receipts. Can we do this? When those receipts went least... blue, I scrummeted. Well, <laughs> and then like, there was all these voice messages too that like, Mandy, Mandy, we need an answer. Mandy, can we? Mandy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, I think, like, 12 of our messages to you were like, Mandy, get out of your doctor appointment. <laughs> we so need many. it. Like, Mandy, art is Sunday good. <laughs> There's a lot of these messages that are just like, Mandy, you picked the worst <laughs> time out. to get a tattoo. I maintain it. I picked the best time because I think my octopus has powers and killed her. But that's my going theory. Um, so, yeah. So, I just start. You're just going to have to keep getting octopi yeah, it then. Was just, it was, I guess so. Just con- I'll just be covered in little octopuses. I'm, I'm all about it. Um, so yeah, so then like I messaged back, I'm like, oh, c- can we do that in that amount of time? Because yeah, again, we had that stream we were supposed to do and I, I, I got really stressed out and I had a video that was coming out Friday. So I was like super stressed at first. And then I was like, no, we'll just do like a weird, we'll do like a different kind of episode and it'll be fine. And I was like, okay. And then it was just like, go, 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 go. <laughs> just exclamation points in the chat. I'm like, we're going to do it. <laughs> it was great. I was just scrolling through some of the messages here. And it's just like literally yeah. all all caps. Who it's like, Mandy, come back! <laughs> You're missing nine oh eight. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. You're missing nine oh eight. It is like very funny that she died like basically the same long weekend as nine eleven. It is <laughs> like it's like I just like an absurd like nationalist week now for our two um sister nations yeah it's like full-on like bootlicker celebration long weekend now whereas like the Thursday to the Monday everybody just gets their boots out and like fucking licks the leather right off of them like licks through them you know what I fucking love it (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Speaking of. um, Sorry, I was going to say, do you think there's going to be any like really cringy artwork that's like her standing, looking up at the towers and then it's going to be like, never forget in the clouds. Mandy, to answer your question, I think there would have been if she had held out for three more days. I am disappointed that she didn't hold out till today because if she died on 9-11. Oh my God. we would have gotten yeah. all of that and it would You're have been right. ama- like especially um like the news organization like media mm-hmm. outlets oh would have uh, yes. would have definitely put together some like really nice uh collages uh that we we missed like out a on. video collage like of like moments of her life like very subtly cutting to like the second plane hitting <laughs> <Just like> <laughs> yeah a transition to yeah. 9-11 coverage <laughs> Um, however, we did get illustrations of like the flag shagging yes. internet losing its goddamn yeah. mind. My favorite was that illustration of Paddington Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Have it. Wait, like I was like, is Paddington Bear the British Grim, Grim Reaper? What's going on here? And and you posted a tweet this morning where she like somebody left her a marmalade. <laughs> oh yeah. For later on it. For later. <laughs> he needs a snack it's a long journey they would, uh, as like a reference to the paddington bear thing like why is paddington I, bear i, I literally know nothing about paddington bear literally nothing i don't know i, I mean i know it's a I, thing but i've never watched the movies I've, i don't think i've ever read the books maybe a long time ago i've never watched i the have movie. personally never met the bitch <laughs> so like i have no i've never watched anything if you tried to show me a fucking cartoon about a bear in a yellow raincoat i would leave the room as a child he wears a blue raincoat <laughs> That sound of disgust. <laughs> uh, Paddington would wear blue. 
Okay. Get it um, right. I don't know if you can see the meme I'm holding up to the camera. Did everyone see this this TikTok? Queen is dead. Queen Latifah? No. Beyonce? No. Oh, I saw this. Janet? No. Ashanti? No. Mariah? No. Girl, the Queen of England. Adele? No. <laughs> Adele? <laughs> That was good. <laughs> Why can't Adele be the queen? That's so Damn good. It. That is, we, we are all going to bring up some of our favorite tweets in this episode. And like yes, that, that is my favorite piece of like commentary to come out of this entire thing. <laughs> oh, one thing that I did want to mention at the top that is like not one of my favorite tweets and actually not from when she died, but like it goes viral every few months and went viral again was like that screenshot of Christopher yeah. Eccleston, the ninth doctor's <laughs> uh, Instagram. He posted like several years ago, he posted a picture of the queen um, in full uh, regalia on his Instagram and, and captioned it parasite in chief in her idiot hat <laughs> <laughs> and then and then somebody commented careful chris and he wrote back kiss my ass <laughs> i love him so much i had never seen this but i love christopher eccleston like just as as for him yeah he's yeah. the first yeah. uh doctor i ever saw he was a great doctor he's a Same. great actor yeah he was my first doctor and i hope he's having a wonderful week me too. Um, he uh, came out. What was it? A couple. It was a couple years ago. Now he came out and spoke very publicly about um, having struggled oh. with uh, disordered eating, and I thought that was like really cool of him to talk about that. Yeah, it's not something you see from cis men. men. Like, you don't. Yeah. You yeah. don't. Um, and I, I thought that was really, really cool of him to do that. So between that and his hatred of the queen, I'm like, yes, king. I mean, maybe, maybe not king. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a thing where we maybe. Just so everyone knows, anytime we scream yes, queen, during this episode, we don't we don't actually support yeah. the monarchy. This is no. this is why we're here, not because um, mm -hmm. and Hoots, I think, can get into this more than I can, um, but not because like as a as a monarch, she was particularly awful. Yeah. Just in general, like a like yeah. a little landlord or a cop, like yep. a cab, but the it's a Q A B. Like, exactly. Like, I actually like I I actually quite liked <laughs> Queen Elizabeth. Um, I, I thought she as 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 like people go as celebrities go. She seemed fine. Um, but she kept her mouth shut. and She, she kept, minded her own business. Yeah, she mostly. kept her mouth shut. She minded her own business and she wore pastel suits. And I have to stand that. Um, but like, I I do dislike the monarchy. And actually like um I was going to read this after I read my facts, but I'm I'm just going to put this at the top. Um this is our disclaimer at the top um that the most senior members of the royal family and the monarch especially occupy this like weird liminal space in modern British politics where they are technically politically powerless but also some of the most powerful powerful people in the commonwealth and the world. Um so I know we're going to discuss some atrocities later on that were committed under Elizabeth's rule that it could certainly be argued would have happened under a republic. Um, like you, you don't need a monarchy to have an yeah. empire. <laughs> uh, as an American, you don't need a monarchy to have an empire. Uh, and Elizabeth was also not the worst or even like the most interesting English monarch 
probably because she wasn't the worst. <laughs> the interesting ones are the bastards. Um, Sorry, just you saying she's not that interesting is like the harshest read. That's probably going to come out of all this. <laughs> I know. I'm going to get canceled for that. <laughs> she's kind of dull. Kind of boring. <laughs> Sorry, daddy, but you, <laughs> you know, actually really fucking boring. As like boring as a public figure because she knew to keep mm-hmm. her mouth shut. Um, all Everyone who knew her said that she was like kind of sarcastic and had like a dry wit. So I like to think that if she was ever a guest on the podcast she would be dragging corpses with us um but that's just like my uh headcanon um so while she oh my god we would have bullied her so hard oh my god but she would have taken it and she would have given it back i think she would have given it back. i mean i would i would like to think so but we'll probably <laughs> um ju- just for anyone like us who happens to be part of the intolerant left uh-huh. we wouldn't I mean, I would have let her come on the podcast. I absolutely would have. Um, I'm sure she was like clamoring to. Yeah. But I, I, I definitely, I definitely would have made her yeah. very uncomfortable as often as possible yeah. with as many bussy jokes as I could possibly fit into a single episode. But can you imagine mm-hmm. like the the breakthrough when you she suddenly made a bussy joke? Like very quietly <laughs> was like, right in my chronicy. <laughs> and we would be like, ah! <laughs> what did we do? <laughs> uh, I like. I like to think that. To she, I like to think she would have been dropping some afslers in here, like the best of us. <laughs> Uh, a little too easily. Uh, yeah, like what did this faggot just say to me? <laughs> yeah, a little too comfortable. The silent supporter of LGBTQ. <laughs> um, also, I would just like to say that I'm Canadian, not American. So yes. uh, when. When like Fox News or whatever inevitably cancels us, talks cancels us. um, You are a member of the Commonwealth. Yeah. So (laughs) while Elizabeth directly benefited from a number of violent wars and genocides, she was not directly responsible for them. Uh, What she was and what the royal family continues to be responsible for is their continued refusal to acknowledge or provide any kind of reparations to the hundreds of nations and millions of people crushed and impoverished under British imperial rule. They're also responsible for some like really messy, hateful family stuff amongst them. Um, And another disclaimer here. we are literally, literally recording on Sunday morning and Kaylin is editing through the night. If, Editing Kaylin here again. My brain is melting out of my ears. If our 9-11 jokes didn't tip you off um, <laughs> to get this emergency episode out by tomorrow morning <laughs> at 3 a.m. So we simply do not have the time or emotional bandwidth to get into every atrocity committed by the British Empire or every horrible thing Elizabeth II has ever personally been been involved in. Um, you're probably going to be hearing a lot of that from other sources throughout the next several weeks anyway. Uh, so this is going to be a much looser episode than usual, and it is a very incomplete history. Uh, if you want to learn more, mm-hmm. we will link off to more resources in the description of the episode. Um, there are plenty of um, links um, and things that we've kind of collected that we just don't have time to use today so we'll include them in the uh in the description so basically we don't want a bunch of comments later on twitter that are like you didn't talk about blame forgot to mention this yeah yeah we fucking know um i mean i hate those comments anyway most of the time just because like it's like yeah we only have so much time to cover yeah 
the entire life of one person. Uh, but just as like a heads up, we get it. We definitely know we're not going to cover everything today. There was so much. Yeah, this is a podcast and not YouTube. So I wasn't really expecting as many terrible comments. Um, but I like, um, I just want to give people a heads up that like normally when we do this, we, we do like a pretty chronological timeline. We've got like a narrative. Um, we're not doing like a narrative really for this. We're doing um, a few a few evil things, some highlights, some lowlights of the life of Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> yeah. So don't be like, don't prepare for Elizabeth Windsor was born April whatever, 1926. Right. Like, yeah, we're not doing that. However, today. I am- Oh, I was just going to say, if there are things we missed, um, feel free to um, leave them in like a little comment on the Patreon post about this. Yeah. I mean, you would sign have to sign up for our Patreon. That's that's the that's the trick. You have to pay us money if you want to leave us comments. I'm like, I, I will I will hide replies yeah. to our tweets if you're like you forgot to talk about this. But if you leave it uh, as a comment on the Patreon, I'll be yeah. like, oh my god, I love that. Thank you so much for letting me know. What a cute little piece of history. I mean, if you if if our if our community on Patreon like gets that. into like a good conversation about Elizabeth and the monarchy, like I see nothing wrong with that. I love learning. That's what we're all here for. Edutainment, right? Mm-hmm. And also being yeah, haters. For sure. uh, so- yeah, I was about to be like, um, I, I personally <laughs> am here because I'm a bully. <laughs> but I'm reformed. And I will not bully alive people. <laughs> I, I try to keep my head empty as much as possible. I just want a head empty, no thought situation. Don't make me yeah, learn absolutely things. Not. No, thank you. I, I am here to talk shit about someone who can't feel bad about it. I actually did learn some stuff while while helping to do the research for this. So I'm, I'm actually kind of it. excited to get into it. Well, as excited as you can be talking about some terrible shit. Yeah. But you know how it is. That's the same way I feel every episode. That's another thing. I did like no research and I have no idea what these two ladies are going to say to me tonight we have no idea what you're going to say to us (laughs) let's open up with uh with just some of the facts um so elizabeth windsor queen of the united kingdom and the commonwealth realms died on thursday september 8th 2022 she was 96 years old and her reign lasting 70 years and 214 days is the longest of any british monarch and the longest recorded uh of any female head of state in history wow she said Govern, gatekeep, girl boss. The UK is currently experiencing an energy and cost of living crisis that has seen inflation rise above 10% for the first time in 40 years, and current projections have it reaching 13% by the end of the year. The result is millions of Britons unable to afford enough food facing a winter where they they may not be able to afford heat. And at the time of recording, the Queen's body is in state at Westminster Hall, where it is scheduled to lie for four days so the public can pay respects. Her coffin will be accessible to the public for 23 hours per day before her funeral takes place at Westminster Abbey. Um, with her in it? Yes. Yeah. What do you mean accessible to the public? Like, what can I do? Uh, she's she's like... lying in um, she's lying in Westminster they're, Hall. Yeah, they're guarding they're, it. She's not just like chilling out. They're not gonna like yeah. let you whip. They're not gonna let you like take. You know. I'm like, let's go get her. I believe. <laughs> I believe it's also a closed casket. It's not. like... Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. It's a, it, you, I'm like, I'm just go gonna go put coffee. a peanut a marmalade sandwich in there with her or something. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, they, um, you can you can visit. You can like walk by. Take it under her um, claw. 
So a total okay. of um, 2,000 specially invited guests will attend the funeral in person while millions will watch the proceedings on television. The exact financial cost of Queen Elizabeth II's funeral proceedings will not be reported, but it will be many millions of pounds. Uh, Princess Diana's funeral in 1997 cost the public uh, $11.8 million. The Queen Mother Elizabeth's cost $5 million in 2002, uh, and there's no reason to believe Elizabeth II's will cost less than theirs, even amidst a cost-of-living crisis that has caused many UK citizens to go hungry. Mm. Charles III's coronation following Elizabeth II's funeral will also come at great expense to the public, although there is speculation that Charles' coronation will be much more um, a much more austere affair, um, precisely because of the um, the cost of living crisis, because it's a bad look to have. Bad optics, mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, his mother's coronation uh, cost around forty three million pounds in today's money. Jesus, Christ. Jesus. Um, so he's expected to have a much more pared down affair. But again, like um, we don't know exactly how much it will cost the public. Um, at his coronation, Charles will be feted and fitted with. Mil- billions of pounds worth of jewels, property of the crown, <sighs> many of which were the spoils of a bloody history of imperialist subjugation. So on that, do you want, do you want to talk about uh, one of the jewels that I, that I researched? Which one? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like so disgusted just thinking about the amount of money, billions of pounds of jewels. I'm like, somebody run up and snatch yeah. that shit off that motherfucker. <laughs> Some of which like snatch him, yeah. grab the queen's body and run. <laughs> we could sell both of those things for enough money to end like every cost of living crisis. <laughs> I know. Like just, just one of those could like completely take care of all of my debt. I could, I, I would be set for like life probably. <laughs> I, like you and the rest of Maine. Yeah. Like you and the right? rest of Maine. <laughs> Food insecurity is really going up here in Maine right now. And like that would just fix the entire fucking And that's state. just the jewels <sighs> that will disgusting. be on his person. That's not yes. the jewels that are under the property of the crown specifically. Um, many of which are in storage and some of which are on display in the Tower of London. Let's let's transition. Way ahead of you, sweaty. Let's let's transition into into talking about one specific jewel. Uh first I'm gonna talk a little bit about India. So uh, over four distinct periods of British colonial rule in India from 1765 to 1938, Britain extracted a sum of about $44.6 trillion from India. Fuck off. Jesus. This figure is conservative. This figure is conservative and does not include, yeah. um, it doesn't include the debts that Britain imposed upon India during the Raj. So it doesn't include the uh, the debts that um, that Brit- Britain imposed upon the Indian royal uh, family. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. This is just like pure- uh, Material. Resources. Yeah. Resources extracted from India. Off. Yeah. During this period of British colonial rule, there's also been almost no increase in per capita income. Uh, this is this is actually like a a big like um, misunder not misunderstanding. This is um, a, a lot of British people believe that uh, British colonial rule in India uh, rose Indian people out of poverty, um, but uh, for most of the period there was almost no increase. And in fact, during uh, various periods of British rule, both life expectancy and average income actually de- decreased by significant margins. That doesn't surprise. 
surprise me. Millions of Indians perished from famines that were the direct result of policy decisions by the British, uh, including uh, the Great Bengal Famine, which resulted in 30 million deaths or the equivalent of five holocausts. Jesus. <laughs> the Koh-i-Noor diamond, which is now part of the crown jewels, set in a crown made for the Queen Mother Elizabeth, was originally an important Indian jewel believed by Hindus to be revered by the goddess Krishna herself. Uh, the diamond has a really fascinating four-century history, um, but the British wound up acquiring it in 1849 after imprisoning the 10-year-old Punjabi prince Duleep Singh and his mother Rani Jindan and forcing him, a child, a 10-year-old child, to sign a treaty handing over the diamond and all claims to sovereignty. Uh, from the Smithsonian for the British, that symbol of prestige and power was irresistible. If they could own the jewel of India as well as the country itself, it would symbolize their power and colonial superiority. It was a diamond worth fighting and killing for, now more than ever. When the British learned of Ranjit Singh's death in 1839 and his plan to give the diamond and other jewels to a sect of Hindu priests, the British press exploded in outrage. Quote, the richest and most costly gem in the known world has been committed to the trust of a profane, idolatrous, and mercenary priesthood, wrote one anonymous editorial. Its author urged the British East India Company to do whatever they could to keep track of the Koh-i-Noor so that it might ultimately be theirs. Once in Britain, the Koh-i-Noor was gifted to Queen Victoria, but it was so large that many people who saw it believed it was made of glass. So Prince Albert had the centuries-old Indian artifact cut and polished, reducing its size by half. <gasps> what the mm -hmm. fuck? Yeah, like, nice, nice holy uh, Julia got there. Be ashamed if something happened <laughs> to it. Crack, so like, what the fuck? Up. Yeah, so fucked they were up. like, it's so big, it looks fake. I'm going to cut it down. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, well, it's not. So shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> like, right. Just say that. Just say it's not fake. That's all you have to do. I mean, you could also give, give it back. Give it back. Yeah. You could the, not take it. You stole it. That's from. also what you could do. It's like, oh, our people actually don't even like it. So um, we'll just we'll just destroy it, basically. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> right. It, it has a feeling of like, oh, um, here's this nice wedding dress. And now I'm going to like completely tear it apart to get a little bit of mm -hmm. lace off of it. And then that's it. That's fine. And this that's wedding dress is Why important to an entire culture of people. Like, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like significant and it's four centuries old. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like an antique. It's very important. It's it's very it classy. It would literally be the equivalent of like British. taking, uh, you know, Jane Seymour's wedding dress and like tearing it <laughs> apart so that you could get like mm. one piece of lace off of it or whatever. <laughs> like when they used to dig up mummies and stuff to use them for medicine. Mm -hmm. Also you, gross. Yeah, <laughs> probably didn't work. I'm going to assume. <laughs> Mummies aren't medicine. I can, I can go on no. the record right now. Yeah. Dried up dead people won't cure your, your headache. No, good, good for podcast content. Yeah. Bad for your syphilis. We here at Respect the Dead are taking a strong anti-eating mummy stance. Thank you. So the diamond later found its way onto the front of a crown made for the Queen Mother Elizabeth in 1937. That crown made its last public appearance on top of her coffin in 2002. It remains in possession of the crown and is uh, usually stored and displayed at the Tower of London. 
the continued possession of artifacts stolen by the British, like the Koh-i-Noor and Hope Diamonds, is a controversial topic today. Koh-i-Noor in particular casts a shadow on the crown because unlike many of the artifacts in the British Museum and National History Museum that eventually found their way into private hands before being loaned to the public, the Koh-i-Noor is the property of the royal family. They can just return it to India Mm -hmm. any fucking time they want. That's something I was wondering about. There's quite a bit um, that's like literally just their personal like family property, right? Like that's true. Okay. Like I mentioned the Hope Diamond. The Hope Diamond Mm -hmm. now is owned by, which is is another famous blood diamond. Uh, uh, It's owned by a private individual who has loaned it to, I believe, the British Museum. I believe it's on display at the British Museum. So technically the British Museum doesn't have the right to give that back because it's not theirs. It's there on loan, which a lot of the artifacts that are in the British Mm -hmm. Museum are there on loan. From private collectors, again, like originally these artifacts were stolen by like the British East India Company, but then, you know, people, uh, people yeah. bought them at auctions and uh, now they're yeah, in private okay. hands, uh, mm-hmm. private hands that could return them at any time. Um, the Koh i Noor specifically is owned yeah. by the royal family um, and you can usually go see it at the Tower of London, um, but really the last time it was like it was brought out was for um, the queen mother's funeral in 2002. Uh, And they could just take it off of the crown and return it at any point. Really? Uh, The repatriation of plundered artifacts to their nations of origin tends to get a lot of people in the global North, even typically progressive people up in arms, but it really shouldn't to quote uh, William Dolly Rimple, I hope I said that name right, uh, co-author of Koh-i-Noor, The History of the World's Most Infamous Diamond, quote, if you ask anybody what should happen to Jewish art stolen by the Nazis, everyone would say, of course, they've got to be given back to their owners. And yet we've come to not say the same thing about Indian loot taken hundreds of years earlier, also at the point of a gun. What is the moral distinction between stuff taken by force in colonial times? I, I do. I mean, I can yeah, think of question. one moral distinction that people are making. <laughs> like, I, I would like to add that uh, a lot of times when people say things like that, it's more of like a generalization um, and that there definitely are people who would be like, absolutely no, like no, no Jewish people deserve to get anything back ever. Um, there are people who would yeah, disagree are. with that. <laughs> uh, but like, this is like a, like a general, I think they're talking yeah. about like the, the same people that would say Jewish people should receive their, yeah. their artifacts back Don't are feel the, the same, same people who would be say Yes. Yeah. The, the typically progressive people who are, who like get up in arms about repatriation of yeah. plundered artifacts. Um, and I think like usually the concern with a lot of like, um, more liberal people, I would say, is is <laughs> that they fear that if they get returned to their countries of origin, um, they would no longer be uh, free for the public to see. Um, which, which in some cases is true when we're talking about like and? corpses that were taken, um, but is <laughs> yeah. also like not mm-hmm. necessarily true. Like um, King Tut has been in, in the. Uh, 
under Egypt's jurisdiction pretty much since he was found, uh, his entire collection. Um, and King Tut, like, goes on tours around the world. Like, you can go see him. Mm-hmm. I think he was here recently. I saw him in Miami when I was a teenager. Um, and then he'll be on display in uh, Cairo for a bit, and then he'll go on tour again. Like, when, <laughs> like, what you're... Sorry, just the go on tour? <laughs> yeah, like the fucking Rolling big, Stones. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love that a dead corpse travels more than right? you. <laughs> but like when you give these objects back to their countries of origin, you're also giving those countries of origin some self-determination so they can make the call yeah. exactly. whether they are going to place them in their own natu- national history museums, whether they are going to uh, place them uh, back in the tombs they came from, or whether they are going to... Yeah, like do exactly what Egypt did and be like, actually, this is an important like educational piece. And we think that um, under very specific circumstances and under our care and watch, they can travel to other museums and like be part of like temporary exhibits so that people around the world can experience this. Like, and I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> fucking, if it get if the Kohinoor yeah. diamond gets placed in like a national history museum in fucking India, then that means that like more people will be traveling to go to a museum in India rather than to go to the fucking Tower of London again. You know what I mean? Well, they just want to be able to see it themselves. Yeah. yeah. Knowing full well that like people around the world, like most people, do not have the money to go to fucking to go to the tower of london their whole reasoning basically comes down to they won't quote use it correctly there's like this paternalistic kind of like thing of like no we can't give this to you because you might not use it the way that you're supposed to and we're smarter than you so we're going to hold on to it like it it has that vibe to me of this like you can't possibly pass this off to these Mm. other people because they they haven't been you know as enlightened as us and know how to properly you know deal with this artifact or whatever and it's it's really shitty because it's it it basically is those people saying that we're better at this than you and it it kind of it denies yeah what you were saying about self-determination um like you should i i there's no reason to believe that if you gave those back to india that they would quote squander it and even if they did that's their fucking business like whatever quote squander would even mean like it's so shitty and this idea that like oh well we couldn't possibly do that because they might not quote use it the right way or or display it the way that it should or whatever it doesn't matter because the whole point is that you should be entrusting the um the people whom that was taken from to figure out what they want to do with it because it's not on you anymore it should be on um i i'm gonna link off I'm going to link off to this Smithsonian article in the uh, in the description, uh, but the Koinor specifically, um, it's it is about like white supremacy as well, um, because at uh, for most of its history, it was like culturally viewed as a thing of beauty because it was like this enormous diamond. Um, but then at a certain point in uh, the latter part of its 400 year history, it did become like a symbol of power um, because the, the English and the Indians were not the only culture that fought over this. Um, And then it became uh, a Mm -hmm. symbol of political power. And once it became a symbol of political power, that was when great Britain was interested in it because it was during the height of the British empire. And they basically Mm, power, you say it was, it was basically like if we, if we own this diamond, it means that we are the superior people on earth. Um, mm. So it's, it's explicitly white supremacist to the, the, um, 
the taking of this artifact from its country of origin is specifically about proving that we are the dominant culture and race. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's another reason maybe they should return it. Uh, Speaking of racism. (laughs) (laughs) That giggle. Speaking of racism, (laughs) coloreds, quote unquote, were not permitted to work in clerical positions in Buckingham Palace until very recently. (laughs) How recently? 2010. In the 1960s, British government ministers sought to introduce laws that would make it illegal to refuse to employ an an individual on the grounds of their race or ethnicity. However, the Queen has remained personally exempted from those equality laws for more than four decades. The Queen's household fell into three types of roles. Quote, A, Senior posts, which were not filled by advertising or any overt system of appointment and which would presumably be accepted as outside the scope of the bill. B, clerical and other office posts to which it was not, in fact, the practice to appoint, I'm reading from a quote here, colored immigrants or foreigners. And C, Ordinary domestic posts for which colored applicants were freely considered, (sighs) but which would in any event be covered by the proposed general exemption for domestic employment. Um, So they were like, you can clean the you can clean Buckingham Palace if you have dark skin, but you are not allowed to be a secretary. And you have no like (laughs) workplace protections whatsoever if you do get if you do yeah. get discriminated against, mm-hmm. which you have been already yes. upon being fired. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Literally, it's like, like you walk in. Like a reverse nepotism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in 1968, Home Office Secretary James Callahan wanted to expand the UK's racial discrimination laws, which only prohibited discrimination in public places so that they also prevented racism in employment or services such as housing. A key proposal of the bill was the Race Relations Board, which which would act as an ombudsman uh, for like a an advisory board, basically, for discrimination complaints and could bring court proceedings against individuals or companies that maintained racist practices. So if your uh, if your landlord or your employer was being racist to you, you could go to the race relations board and they would kind of rule on that and then decide whether or not to bring court proceedings against um, individuals or companies. So over intense negotiations in 1968, Buckingham Palace indicated that it would be prepared to comply with the law if they were able to continue to discriminate against colored applicants, again, I'm using their word, colored applicants who had been residents in the UK for fewer than five years. So now it was like, well, as long as we're still allowed to be racist to recent immigrants, (laughs) we'll do it. (laughs) If they still have an accent. Compromise, sweetie? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you need to work with us. I need you to meet me halfway with my racism, okay? Like, honestly, all the stuff with Meghan Markle is making so much more sense now. They were like, legally, we are allowed to be right? shady to you for at least another three years. <laughs> not her not her with one of those, like, those, uh, you know, those little, like, um, like, those little calendars where you, like, the left side is the month and the right side is the day, which is, like, counting down to when they have to stop being racist to her. <laughs> Home office servant T.G. Weiler reported that, quote, 
They were particularly concerned that if the proposed legislation applied to the Queen's household, it would be it would for the first time make it legally possible to criticize the household. Oh no. Many people do so already, but this this has to be accepted and is on and is on a different footing from a statutory provision. So it's not just like they're like, we're okay that you're allowed to shit post about us on Twitter. But like to be able to legally take us to court over our racism, that is not okay. (laughs) In the 1970s, the government brought in three laws to counter racial and sexual discrimination in the workplace. Complainants in general were empowered to take their cases directly to the courts, but staff in the royal household were specifically prevented from doing so. So sexual discrimination as well. In the 1970s, when like King Charles... Oh, now I'm King sure Charles, was then Prince great. Charles, was like at the peak of his like fucking mm. dastardly behavior. From an article in The Guardian, quote, the exemption was extended to the present day when the 2010, when in 2010, the Equality Act replaced the 1976 Race Race Relations Act, the 1975 Sex Discrimination Act, and the 1970 Equal Pay Act. For many years, critics have regularly pointed out that the royal household employed few black, Asian, or minority ethnic people. In, in 1990, the journalist Andrew Morton reported in the Sunday Times that, quote, a black face has never graced the executive echelons of royal service, the household and officials, and even among clerical and domestic staff, there is only a handful of recruits from ethnic minorities. And I, I just put in my notes, this is a nice spot to give a shout out to Meghan Markle for enduring the continued <laughs> racism of the royal family and having the good sense to peace the fuck out. I hope she's having a lovely week. I hope when she and Harry get back from the funeral and are here in Southern California, living it up. I don't know. They go to the beach, have have a drink, raise one in the air, pour one out for my homies, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> Yeah, she does go like I don't really I don't like follow much about the monarchy anyway. I just have never been that interested in it because fuck monarchies. But like the amount of shit that Megan has gotten is fucking unreal. There was a, a video going around earlier today that was her, I guess it was either her, I don't know where she was, but she was like hanging, she was like, there was like a procession of yes, people I saw and she was this. Like talking to somebody. Yeah, and someone comes up behind her, looks like an attendant, and she just kind of smiles and does the kind of like, oh no, thank you, I'm fine, like that kind of thing, but you can't hear anything with it saying. And all of these comments are talking about like, oh, I guess she's like too good to go talk to that guy. Look how mean she's being. Oh, the second she sees the camera, you can tell that she turns it back up. It was like, she did people nothing. She literally just kind of said, yeah. Oh, and then I think somebody even said later, they're like, yeah, somebody asked her about taking the flowers she was holding. And she said, no, thank you. I'll hold on to them for now. That's literally all that happened. Like this woman can't do a fucking thing right in the eyes of especially the fucking British media. They are middle-aged white women hate her. Middle-aged white women who thought they had a chance with Harry fucking hate her. None of you had a chance with Harry. No one one had a chance with Harry. (laughs) I got into some of these tweets for the first time. And it was very much like looking under any tweet that even remotely references AOC. Yes. Um, yes. The just like the yeah. absolute bad shit yeah. response mm-hmm. where people are rabid dogs frothing at the mouth mm-hmm. to find like a single yeah. thing that they can point out and just 
rip her to shreds over like imagined or mm-hmm. otherwise like i saw a photo right. of um a bunch like she was talking to some people that were like behind um some metal barricades and she was like reaching out mm-hmm. and like actually speaking to them and then there was a few people looking in another direction and there was a bunch of people being like look at this look at this these people don't want to see her they don't want this they're turning their face away from her if you saw if you saw if you God. saw some of the other royal family members there they would have been screaming and clawing oh to get God. at that and it's like you are you are unhinged you are unhealthy and you yeah. need to log the log fuck off, off. Oh, touch, touch. touch grass <laughs> jesus fucking christ well then there was like the the whole fucking baby bump debacle where like it was like compare like you, there were pictures side by side comparisons of how kate was treated when she was pregnant versus megan and kate was like lovingly tenderly cradling her her pregnant belly and then the one oh, from yeah. megan was like why is megan always touching her belly we get it you're pregnant <laughs> it was like what the fuck they is wrong her. with you people they hate her so much. <laughs> Okay, really I know you said her. you're not a royal fan, but did you watch the Oprah interview? Uh, no. Okay. I don't think I did. As, no. I saw some, like, random clips going around yes. Twitter, but I did not watch that. As lovers of uh, messy drama, um, please go find the okay. Oprah interview. It's okay. so good. It's, it's like, high okay. camp. Like, Oprah is Oprah is being peak mm-hmm. Oprah. I know you all have seen the, like, were you silent or were you silenced? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, she's like that the whole yeah. interview. It's amazing. <laughs> I love messy drama. I'm probably nice. going to try to, like, watch it again at some point now that the queen is dead. Um, <laughs> because I love it so much. And I, I wish Meghan Markle and, and Harry well. I wish them uh, wonderful lives 6,000 miles away from those people. Maybe they'll listen to this podcast while they're sitting on the beach and drinking together. (laughs) Harry and Meghan, if you're listening, we'll go get some mimosas sometime and we will shit talk those people like together. You're paying. Yeah. You're you're obviously paying. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because if you make me bring the the mimosas, I'm bringing fucking like Andre or something. (laughs) I'm bringing barefoot bubbly. (laughs) <laughs> if you want good mimosas, you're paying. Uh, anyway, that's my section about racism. Somebody else talk for a bit now. <laughs> Back to Buckingham Palace. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1995, the Queen banned all gay partners from palace staff parties. <laughs> uh, I heard about this. I heard about this. Gentlemen may not bring another gentleman unless the guest is his father, <laughs> brother, or son. So, like, they said it without actually saying it, but it's like, listen, this mm. is my daddy. Yeah, I would have been like, like <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have been like, this is totally my daddy. And you, you make specified, out you specified gentlemen, not dirty little fucking yeah. sluts like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, sorry, bestie, not a gentleman. Absolute rancid <laughs> whore. <laughs> I am feral. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, not just like a couple feral faggots walking in being like, ah, 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 we figured out the like, we figured out your gay riddle. (laughs) Walking in in like fishnet tops. (laughs) Like mesh and some leather chaps and they're like, we're not gentlemen. Yes, queen, we figured out that loophole. (laughs) And the queen immediately drops into a death drop and goes, clack, clack, clack. (laughs) 
we make okay. a cane across we, the room. <laughs> <laughs> we make her sound so much better than she is. I want this right. <laughs> She's boring, so I have to fill my like head cannon with lots of extraneous <laughs> details. Okay, right. so there a lot of people said that she was homophobic. A lot of people said she wasn't because she didn't really talk about the gays. She didn't talk about um, anything. I think it was like there was like a queerty queerty article yes, or whatever that went viral uh, recently that was like she was a silent supporter or something real silent. Um, <laughs> and it was like Carlos Maza or something who tweeted like, "Oh, I want to know what like glass eyed demon twinks are still reading this fucking rag in 2022." <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I love him. Also, a very good poster. Oh, absolutely. Um, but there, there was actual accusations of homophobia like real life homophobia oh, that affects no. people um mm. like 2018 it was reported that the queen's first openly gay senior footman ollie roberts resigned after a series of humiliating demotions mm. um so basically no. it wasn't so much uh that like i don't think it was so much that he was gay it's that he was openly gay mm-hmm. he hadn't spoken to the media but like the mm. media was reporting on it mm-hmm. so she started like mm-hmm. you know bringing him down in the ranks um and the reason why this was possible is because for those oh, like slightly over 40 years she was personally exempt from like her and her staff from the 2010 equality act so mm-hmm. there was no legal recourse whatsoever even if you could prove that you were being discriminated against. Like if they're like, I'm demoting you for being gay, that is was totally legal. Yeah, for for her. So why maybe this again, I'm not that uh up and up on the monarchy or anything, but why is the monarchy or why was it like okay to do this for so long? Like why were they the exception? Like I don't get that. Like if they're if the monarchy isn't supposed to be powerful in any way, why do they get all these special privileges to still be racist and sexist and, and homophobic? Like because how does of the, that work? the quote that I said above that um it would it would make it legally possible to criticize the household. Yeah. Like theoretically they have free speech so you're allowed to say whatever you want about the monarchy but you can't like you can't bring legal proceedings against mm-hmm. the monarch you can't sue but the shouldn't queen shouldn't you be able to oh uh, well, yes shouldn't you shouldn't i mean mandy you shouldn't should, you should not be, be a monarch right? like i don't get it <laughs> like, yeah we yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's the thing I'm finding confusing about the this how this monarchy works because it's like okay, they're basically symbolic, but then they also had all these privileges where they're just allowed to be straight up yeah. homophobic. They and live in a liminal else. space like, how where they are sense? both. Yeah. Make it make sense yeah, to they, me, Britain. They exist I don't in a get it. Space where they are both utterly powerless and also the most powerful people in the country. They are that's so weird. They are literally like, what like fascists always say that the enemy is right. Like. Yeah. Hyper powerful and also yeah. weak. Hyper powerful yeah. and powerless. Yeah. Like, yeah. But they're they're literally that <laughs> as a family. It's it's very strange. Yeah. That's just so weird to me. I just feel like the second like you no longer have any power, you should I mean you shouldn't everyone should be allowed to be criticized and you should be allowed to be held responsible for your reactions. But especially if you used to be like a powerful monarchy and now you're yeah. technically not, shouldn't you be able to be sued and stuff? I don't know. That is that no. again, I'm coming at this from an American who refuses to watch yeah. the crown. So well, you're also coming at this from like a, a logical perspective. Yeah. I know, that's the other problem. 
I mean, these are people that told the fucking bees the queen died. I guess I really shouldn't be that surprised. I mean, I think that's adorable. I think they should do that with all bees who have beekeeper. Like, whenever the beekeeper dies and it it gets replaced by another beekeeper, I think you should go tell the bees. You should break the news. It's like, who's going to tell them? It's like, I'll do it. It's like, I'll do it. You've been through enough. Bee number 475 is going to be so upset. They really loved him. (laughs) Um, There was one thing that I kept seeing. they're saying both the queen is not responsible for any atrocities committed um, under her rule, but also all of the good things that happened. She is supposedly good things. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, the- but didn't she do this? So then isn't she? Right. So they're, they're attributing um, all of the, the horrible things to just the way the world works yeah. and any potential positive yeah. outcomes that happened while she was like during her reign are definitely because of her uh attributed to her <laughs> like she led decolonization I saw a lot of yeah that that was the main one i kept seeing <laughs> yeah a lot of people were t- giving her credit for other countries getting their independence from the british empire i'm like no 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 <laughs> a lot of them did at the 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 end of a gun at the barrel of a gun you know what i mean like yeah exactly th- a lot of them yeah. Literally what I'm going to be talking about later. Anyway. Yeah. Go on, (laughs) Caitlin. Yeah, it's just some bullshit. Um, I just have a little bit of gay left. A little bit of gay left. A little bit Um, of gay. Just a little gay in me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, Because just just a little bit about Princess Diana, Mm. who during the 1980s um, was the first member of the royal family to have like literally any contact. Uh, with people with HIV mm-hmm. or AIDS, which is a um, huge deal. And she worked. Oh yeah. So I don't know if yeah. I don't know if there's a lot of like Zoomers listening to this. Probably not that many. <laughs> I feel like we fit more into like a people millennial in 30s, yeah. snark crowd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the way and like obviously like the the generation doesn't really matter. It's more about like your actual education on this uh, this topic in this era. But when when AIDS and HIV were first, uh, like when the panic around them first started, there was the assumption that even being in the same room mm-hmm. as someone with HIV or AIDS, more specifically AIDS, mm-hmm. when there was like lesions and like very obvious physical manifestations, mm-hmm. and people began to like look like look ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was there was very much yeah. the idea that any contact. Like, not even just shaking hands, but, like, being in the same room, breathing the same air, like, deigning to fucking look at them like they're people was a potential risk for you to also become tainted. Yeah. Like, the stigma around it was so horrific, and there was, like, like mm-hmm. decades of government inaction. Originally, it was called GRIDS, Gay-Related Immunodeficiency Syndrome, or whatever the fuck. Oh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Forgot about yeah. that. So, like, it was there was so much stigma attached to it, like more than like, like it was very similar to like leprosy. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But Princess Diana decided to go to hospitals and be with people with HIV and AIDS. And she had a quote that said, HIV does not make people dangerous to know. So you can shake their hands and give them a hug. Heaven knows they need it. Which is like heartbreaking. My stupid little heart was like, that's just like this the kindest possible way to phrase it. Yeah. Is like not just like not Mm -hmm. only are you 
you're not operating with like accurate scientific or medical information, you you're like you're hurting people mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. by acting like this. People and who are dying. Yeah. The people who need mm-hmm. it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the queen was like, mm, don't you think you could focus on something a little more pleasant? Like, is this really a good look for us, sweaty? AIDS <laughs> <laughs> is such a downer. This really brings the room down. Go like do something with fashion. Yeah, like don't don't you like why don't okay okay crazy idea. But what if we made a coat out of like I don't know a hundred to a hundred and one Dalmatians? Like, oh my that god, be, it'd be so cute. <laughs> but then a little more iconic. We could we could like we could right? place the spots in just in such a way that like um uh, one of them looks like a like a thistle for Scotland and one of them looks like a rose for. <laughs> For England, uh, yeah, we can we can like do a tribute to the British Isles with our puppy coat. with our puppy coat, and that could be that could be your contribution your to uh, British culture. Um, yeah, and that that would still look better <laughs> than shaking hands and hugging people, people with, AIDS. with AIDS. Oh my god, I saw this tweet today that was like, um. Doesn't she know how dangerous that is? Like, no. Like, you're in the same room, open air, <gasps> and then uh, all these people were flaming him. And he was like, sorry, that's not what I meant. I was like, what if she had a flu? She could have killed them. And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <they're> like <laughs> Diana should have been wearing a mask. Oh, no, that's what he buddy. said he was like doctors wear masks why isn't she and i'm like okay you know what like okay all right good point <laughs> like <laughs> the like like it was very i don't think it was a shit post i think it was like a genuine mistake because i looked at his twitter like he, was <laughs> he was concerned for saying, their health like, oh these are yeah. immune compromised people we have to take care of immune compromised people but it, it just read like such a like hateful homophobic yeah. post yeah and then he was like, oh no, oh my, my terrible apologies. I reread <laughs> and I can see now why it looked like that. And I'm like, sweet, sweet angel. Oh, bless, bless his heart. <laughs> He's, he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. <laughs> okay, so Sorry. that's that's my little, my gay little contribution. Gay section. Thank you for the gay section. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. Um, Princess Diana was kind of the only time uh, when she passed away. Uh, and and um, that was like probably the only time I ever had a little bit of interest in the monarchy because that happened when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that like all of these like middle-aged white ladies around me were really sad and I didn't understand My why. A pretty person um, just died. Yeah, I knew people who were... <laughs> I remember watching the news on TV and like my mom being like shook to her core. And it's like, did you know her? Like, I'm so confused right now. I, I was just like, did you go to high school together? I don't understand. Like, I really Not didn't you get growing it. Up I was, thinking I mean, she was your aunt. 90, or something. Yeah. I was like 10. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Aunt Diana. Um, I feel like know. I know every Auntie pretty Diana. person that um, dies. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're like, oh, hey, speaking sweetie. of people languishing in hospitals, um, do you want to hear about the Queen's hidden cousins? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes, I Nari- do. <laughs> what, what a great I'm, segue! I'm pulling out all the stops for the segues this episode because we're not doing a, a typical timeline. Because uh, you fucking can't with this woman. <laughs> so you can't pick a uh, worse time Marissa to die. and Catherine Bowles Leon were the daughters of Elizabeth's maternal uncle, making them her first cousins. 
Both sisters were born with severe learning disabilities. Inbred. <laughs> Said to have uh, never developed <laughs> past the mental age of about three or four their entire lives. It was reported that Nerissa had died in 1940 and Catherine in 1961 at the ages of 21 and 35, respectively. However, in 1987, a newspaper reported that Nerissa had died only the year before in 1986 and Catherine was still alive. The way my jaw ripped from my head fell to the floor and shattered into a million pieces when I heard this. Both sisters had been institutionalized in Surrey in 1941, and the extended family declined to visit them and pretended that the girls never existed. Allegedly, the queen was unaware that either of the sisters were still alive until the story broke in 1987, but Elizabeth, the queen mother, was aware, as were several other members of the royal family. After the story broke, yes, yeah, they, so allegedly the queen thought that they died back in 1940 and 1961, uh, but the other members of the royal family knew that they were languishing in a mental hospital in Surrey. After the story broke, Buckingham Palace released a statement confirming that uh, the queen's knowledge of the news, adding, we have no comment about it at all. Throughout the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know her. Mm, pass. Thank you. <laughs> what the fuck? Throughout their time at the hospital, there is no known <laughs> record that the sisters were ever visited by any member of the Bowles, Leon, or royal families, despite their aunt, the Queen Mother, being a patron of MenCap, a charity for people with learning disabilities. <laughs> Even after finding out that one of her first cousins was still alive and living alone in a mental facility, nurses said that, to their knowledge, the family never sent the sisters a birthday or Christmas gift or card. They never even sent a card. Lizzie was never like, yeah, you don't even need to go. You can just send them a little, a little Paddington right? bear. Ha- Merry Christmas. Or they say happy Christmas. Those free. So happy Christmas. Love. Cousin Lizzie. None of that. No cards. Well, cause then once you yeah. acknowledge I mean, it becomes like, oh, okay, well, now I know and now I need to do something about it. They acknowledged it with a a public statement where they said we have no comment about it at all. Get a fucking, get (laughs) one of your, your secretaries that are white (laughs) because, because literally they have to be white (laughs) and to write a, to write a fucking card and send it off. Or somebody asked like the queen's people, um, if she had actually said that she didn't think gays should be able to get married because she was a Christian um, and she was like, oh, I don't comment on private conversations. <laughs> and it's like, so it happened. Oh. <laughs> there was a conversation. Yeah. I don't care what you do in the privacy of your own home. I just don't want to see it. <laughs> just yeah. don't show that to children. Yeah. But unfortunately, a courtroom or like a, a stunning beach <laughs> wedding is not your own home. Uh, mm-hmm. So like I said, like after the news broke, they still never sent a Christmas or gift, Christmas gift or card. Um, however, after the story broke in the media, the Bose Leon family did upgrade Narissa's grave from a serial number and plastic tag marker to an actual headstone. Oh, my goddess so their literal child was like just had like a little plastic tag marker with a number on it 
I did more for Be- that for my rats that died. <laughs> I made them tiny little tombstones. Literally. They have <laughs> access to billions of pounds and money out the wazoo, and they couldn't do even put a, a cardboard box up. What the fuck? I mean, I will say the Bosleyons <laughs> probably just have millions, not billions. But um, oh, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, the royal family could have stepped in at any point and like put up. I don't know, like a little something. A little little uh, wooden cross or something. I don't know, like a like your dog and your. I'm sure they did more for their corgis. Kath, they put yeah, in right? less work than like a fucking props Literally. department. <laughs> less work than my than my mother does for her lawn on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Catherine remained oh at the God. hospital Jesus. unvisited by any of her relatives until 1997. When it closed amid abuse claims. <sighs> and then she moved into another home in Surrey, later dying aged 87 in 2014. Oh my God. Wow. Sorry, Catherine and, and Narissa. Narissa died in 1986. And Catherine lived all the way until ni- until 2014. And she was in that hospital until 1997 when it closed because they were abusing their patients. Jesus. Yeah. That's a long fucking time to be, like, yeah. forgotten in some, like, fucking facility. And the facilities then, I mean, they're not okay now. Mm-hmm. But, like, back then, they like, were the, way fu- worse the back way then. that yeah. they treated anyone with any sort of mental illness or, like... Like anyone that was neurodivergent was like so fucking horrible. The like the the um the medicine and the treatments at the time did more harm than good and were like largely either useless or used to experiment Mm -hmm. on people. So like And they were abusing them up until ninety seven. You can keep your family members in your own home and get them a staff. If like they need that much attention and you have that much fucking money, like and so, like so, Narissa right. would have been, I think, in her sixties when she died. Um, Catherine was eighty-seven. Uh, Narissa, when they were put in the facility, was only twenty-two, and Catherine was only fifteen. Catherine was in a facility from the age of fifteen until Jesus. until like ninety-seven, and then she died unvisited at almost 90 that's horrible oh my god so her entire life was basically in captivity she, she was like an animal yeah and queenie is like i don't I'm know just, her i'm just i got nothing to say i'm a silent <laughs> i'm a I, 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 i'm a I literal a... silence i will not say a thing <laughs> I'm a very her, quiet, ally. quiet ally, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II. Jesus. Quiet ally of it, it kind of reminds me of the um, uh, fuck, Diana. They, the, Diana would have said something about yeah. it. Yeah, she would have. Just saying. Uh, I know that there's like a weird, <laughs> there's a weird shrine to her in Harrods. Um, Where in Harrods, the department store? There's like a big department store. Oh, and there, uh, it's owned by. Uh, it was like Dodie Fayed, right? Was her was the her fiance her her boyfriend at the time who died in the car crash with her. It's owned by his family. Yeah, the, the whole department store. So like on the bottom oh, okay. floor, there's like a 
okay, I'm going to really get canceled, a really tacky fountain with pictures of them. <laughs> it's it's real tacky mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a shrine to them. I, I know I'm, I feel for his family. It's very sad. But like if my family built a fucking fountain that looked like that to me, I, I would haunt them. <laughs> Have you looked it up? Did you Google it? <laughs> yes. I, I'm going to send you the link. Do you want to look at this picture? It's uh, real tacky. It's so fucking basic. Speaking of tacky, like all of the all of the fast food chains in the UK that are like, uh, we at Heinz are so, so traumatized oh by the loss God. of our monarch. I'm like, you are revealing yourselves to be pure trash like i am white trash from florida and this is the trashiest thing i've ever seen just shut your mouth yeah it's ugly link is in the chat mandy it's so (laughs) i I just googled some pictures and um, with the pyramid on it there there are literally nicer fountains oh yes that i've seen oh my god the fountain at the americana (laughs) on brand is gorgeous it's like just the. Uh, I think it's there's there's a mm-hmm. lot happening here. The, the um, candles, uh, it's the candles, those twelve inch yeah. candles, those like girthy yeah. fucking candles are like. To be fair, it goes with all of Harrods because all of Harrods is pretty tacky. It's like the oh, cheesecake no. factory of uh, of department stores. But that's why you I know go. exactly that's what you why mean. you go to Harrods because you like because yeah. everything there is overpriced. Yeah, okay. You don't want to shop there. Um, but you go and you look at all the tacky decor and you have like a great time. Like that, um, that fountain is on the bottom floor of um, like a an escalator. Okay. Basically, there's like a whole there's like a hall of escalators mm-hmm. and it's an Egyptian themed <laughs> hall of what escalators. So everything looks like yeah, everything looks like king tut they didn't have escalators though so that seems strange um, i mean it's not supposed to be historically <laughs> accurate it's just supposed to be it's like it's like a themed Gentle party reminder. it's like a themed party <laughs> oh no no i get it that's just such a weird thing to combine like what goes better with the escalators <laughs> than ancient Egyptians? i mean if i had to go yeah, up and down tea. those like, okay. every day that's i would have not what i would have thought of but I would want an escalator. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Probably would have been yeah. helpful. If you put one of the slaves part. who built those pyramids on an escalator, it would blow their fucking mind. They're like, oh my God. Why are, wait, Ryan. guys, <laughs> we got these escalators. We love them. They're amazing. But we've been carrying all these bricks up. We should just put them on the escalators beside us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Imagine like if, some, if, if somebody in work smarter, not harder. I'm imagining like a butterfly effect style short story where somebody invents a time machine and takes an escalator back to Egypt and then comes back to the future and just like everything. <laughs> <is> <laughs> imagine kind of like um, Planet of the Apes where. It's like the landscape, like the, there's like a Statue of Liberty, but the head's a pyramid now. Every, yeah, literally. You did. Oh, you blew it up. Back and they're like, wait, why are the people pyramids? How did this happen? Escalators <laughs> with pyramid pyramids. Heads. People are walking pyramid dogs instead. <laughs> no. Fuck your feet. Doesn't make any I'm sense. Like, you know what? <laughs> Just like falling to their knees. I'm like, this the makes sharp no edges sense, everywhere. Like, honestly, I think it might be better. Like... <laughs> <laughs>
Jordan Peele hire me. I just wrote the scariest story. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, what are we even talking about? <laughs> what are we even talking about? I don't We're not know. even drunk Mandy, this episode. Mandy, do you want to? <laughs> I know. It is. Okay, just turned noon my time, uh, but I am stone cold sober. I've been drinking I am not coffee. sober, but I am not uh, drunk. Mandy, do you want to depress us? <laughs> Everybody left to go to the bathroom, so I started a new podcast in my head. Um, I forgot that Hoots had Bluetooth headphones on, though. Just me alone here now. Oh, no, Hoots can hear me. I was going to start my own podcast. <laughs> it's just me and you now, Angus. Oh, okay. Okay, while you were getting your snack, I already decided what my podcast is going to be. What is it? It's going to be called Res- Respect the Dick, the <laughs> podcast where we do. <laughs> and you're just rating dicks. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, but you can't see them, so I have to describe it. I'm like, I'm like full, full on Snickers vein. <laughs> <laughs> Leans a little to the left. And you can do like emergency episodes like like that time that Orlando Bloom was like out naked and, and people got pictures of it <laughs> to do like an emergency episode rating his dick. <laughs> I'm like I'm like from Portobello to Ugh. to like clamshell head. What are the vibes here? Gosh. Well, yeah. you know, what I just realized uh, I didn't see the song. Oh, you didn't. Fantastic. Okay, so the song goes, <clears throat> and, and, and disclaimer, I'm not nearly as good a singer as Hoots, but here we go. Ding dong, the queen is dead. Which old queen? You know which queen. Ding dong, the queen is definitely dead. Hey ho, there she goes in a box down below. Say it loud, the queen is definitely dead. <laughs> that was my song. Thank good you. Job. <laughs> I sent I sent that in a voicemail to the group chat, and, and Hoots and Kaylin immediately are like, you're uh-huh. singing that on the podcast. <laughs> I, so I'm glad I, I also it. love that you always call them voicemails. <laughs> <laughs> voicemail. Oh, what should I? Is that wait? Voice messages. Voice notes. Voice notes I, think, I usually say voice notes. I think, but I don't. Voice I don't know if there's actually. Like, I don't know if there's actually a term. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's like a real term. No it's just voicemail feels very like it's on a very nineties. It's on like an answering machine. Yeah. I sound like a like a middle-aged woman who's talking to my daughter about like, oh, I sent you a voicemail. <laughs> Mom, no, it's not a voicemail. It's a voice note. It's giving, it's giving sitcom energy, mm, which I love. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. Okay, so that'll let me all depress you. Um, so as Hoot said with the sort of opening disclosure, and, and also what we mentioned at the beginning anyway, about how there's just there are so many wars and uprisings and just horrible things that happened while Elizabeth was um, in was a queen. And I kind of ended up focusing in on one in particular because I thought, one, I didn't know anything about it. I had never heard about this before. Uh, and I also thought it was important to like represent at least one of these stories because there's so many of them. And there's just I, I just felt like it was important to like kind of focus mm-hmm. in on at least one of them. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to talk to you at length now for a bit about the Mau Mau uprising. Um, and I have to give you a little bit of background information first just to yeah. like make it all make sense. But essentially, this is all this all happened in Kenya in 1952. 
Uh, so this is like after World War II. And at the time, um, you know, Kenya was considered like a really valuable resource for the British. Um, it had it had great resources. Uh, the agriculture in particular was very important there. Um, it was also kind of like a bit of a transportation hub, from my understanding, like the, the railroad went through there. And that's kind of how they sent like supplies elsewhere to the other colonies um, in the continent. So it was kind of like a very important uh, colony for um, the British Empire to maintain. Um the Kenyans there, the native Kenyans were uh, treated pretty horribly, as I can imagine most people would already know. Um, they were systematically and intentionally kept in poverty, including forcing them to live in overcrowded reserves and banning them from working the most profitable crops. They were literally not allowed to grow their own crops and sell those. That was only allowed for white settlers. <laughs> um, yep. White settlers were also uh, given preferential. Just like the immediate exactly response, correct. just fuck off. But okay, sorry, go on. I'm so tired. No, I, I, I think I, I know. I think I said the same thing yeah, when I was reading this like, page about it. I watched so many videos, y'all. I wa- I fell down such a rabbit hole about. Thank this. you for and doing the every research. Moment, which is like, you yeah, by off. The way. of um, course. Oh yeah, also, no like problem. Mandy, you you should find another dead bastard involved in this story and do like a full episode on this i might to be honest with you because there's a lot of information that i found about it and there's so much more that i'm not gonna be able to talk about today so i would be really i would love Mm -hmm. to get into a deeper dive um probably the guy that was the governor of kenya at the time would probably be the guy i talk about this through but anyway um so yeah white settlers were given preferential treatment they barely paid any taxes meanwhile native canyons were taxed up the wazoo for everything including like their own huts that they lived in like they were taxed mm. horribly and then those taxes would then go on to benefit not the them, white not them doing like a fucking cardboard mis- box tax what the fuck <laughs> yeah but right you know it was i'm it was sorry you're, you're gonna have to pay property taxes on your um, tent like fuck off your, yeah right oh my Jesus Christ. Like, we're going to yeah. force you to live um, in the least, like, to, to us, the least desirable place to mm-hmm. live. And then we'll tax you more than living in the places we'll make that you, we live. Yeah, we'll make you pay property taxes on settlers. it. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. They they wouldn't allow the Native Kenyans to live where the white people were. That wouldn't have been very pleasant. So, no, no. They, they had to live in their little huts somewhere else, all together in one spot, away from the white people. Uh, the government seized about 7 million acres of land at one point, uh, most of which were these, like, very fertile hills, which is where, um, you know, the most of the agriculture is being, um, being done. Uh, these hills would later be called the White Highlands because the farmland was exclusively owned by Europeans. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't I, – I didn't even write down the actual name of this land because that's what everyone was calling it, was the White Highlands. And uh, so like any land distribution, basically any benefits, the nice areas, those were all given to white settlers, uh, whereas the Kenyans were not allowed. Um, Kenyan employees were also treated very poorly by their European employers. Um, some settlers would argue that native Kenyans, quote, were as children and should be treated oh as such. God. Fuck off. Oh my they're God. like, Fucking we're God. not, they're like, listen, it's, I know this sounds like textbook paternalism. <laughs> full stop yeah no a hundred percent a hundred and there's some there's some more of that specifically we're going to talk about a little bit later but yeah there was very much this attitude like oh we we colonize them for their own good mm-hmm. like they're so lucky and the fact that sometimes they act out is like oh. really a bummer so these you could little not, babies they like, need our help though <sighs> what will yeah. they do if they if mm. we don't come here Take and their shit. push them off of the most fertile land and- yeah exactly exactly 
Um, some settlers would flog their servants for basically any petty offenses. And technically, from what I read, it was technically illegal to flog people as punishment. However, the uh, judicial system was very much prejudiced against the Native Kenyans. So there was it was very rare to actually be able to prove that you were yeah. flogged. And their were, legal you know, system says it's were, illegal to flog people. Yeah. And they didn't recognize the Kenyans as people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You, you, you got it. Um, Kenyans also had to travel around with a very specific type of set of identification papers, some of which was just kind of your average stuff, but it also had like fingerprints and some other things. Um, these were called the Kapande. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, that, that was um, basically kept in these little pouches around their necks. Uh, and they had to have them on them at all times. And these papers were very much about restricting yeah. their movement and not allowing them to travel. So it was very much about keeping them contained in certain areas. Um, now, so as you can imagine, Native Kenyans were pretty yes. pissed about all of this and were trying to find ways to... And, and the other thing, too, is they weren't representing the government at all, of course. Everyone that's been elected into the government has been elected by the British Empire. Yeah. They are they are put there. They are not... There's no voting happening. Um, so like, they, they want to try and, like, work with the government in some capacity, but there's, like, no... There's no, like, line of communication, right? So there's the uh, Charter Land Commission was established in the 1930s to supposedly help improve conditions... But it basically did nothing. It, it was one of those like, it felt very like a, a like a liberal thing to continue, like you make up like oh we'll have like a little meeting and we'll figure out what we yeah. can do mm -hmm. down the line maybe one day. And it just it didn't do fucking anything. If anything, it, it pissed people mm -hmm. off more because it didn't fucking do anything. So the um, the the group of um, revolutionaries that would come to be called the Mau Mau, which the, that word doesn't mean anything. It was apparently a term the British came up for for these rebels, and they ended up kind of adopting mm. it. it. Honestly, it was probably a slur Yankee back in the Nandy. day, and it kind of got readopted. <laughs> yeah, and th this is the term they still go by, so that's the term I'm using. But just be aware, it's not yeah. like a real term. Technically, um, it was made up by several ethnic groups, but the group that was mostly represented in it because they were the ones being affected the most were the Kikuyu. And they actually, um, the, the Mau Mau sort of originally started as being like a student activism group that did more like peaceful mm -hmm. protests and tried to do activism. Uh, but all of their attempts failed. They basically were being ignored. So eventually what happened is that certain people uh, got frustrated, left. And well, who was left were all the militant, mm -hmm. more radical members yes. of the group. And their proposal was, let's start attacking loyalists. Let's start attacking British settlers yeah. and like make ourselves heard. So that's what they started doing. So uh, 1952, on October 3rd, they their first attack was they attacked, like they stabbed a woman. I believe she was a British settler, but I'm not sure about that. There was a lot of information about the first attack. Um, a week later, they shot a key colonial officer, uh, a, a chief actually, who had been appointed in that role by the, the British role. And that was like kind of when the British was sort of like, oh, that's strange. These brown people are mad at us. I wonder why. So the Mau Mau mostly used like guerrilla attacks, like hit and run. They would basically come out in the dead of night, uh, mostly attacking areas of weak influence. Uh, interestingly enough, women were a huge part of the rebellion. They were mostly in charge of helping to keep up supply chains. And luckily, they were mostly avoiding suspicion at first because yeah. they're like, Pfft. Black women can't do anything. Women Obviously, are like, the British are were always a huge part of <laughs> yeah. of like grassroots yep. rebellions, especially uh, yeah. women yeah. of color. Look at the women yeah. in Syria right now. Um, like... And so, initially, yeah, yep. Um, and so, they were very important for like spreading, uh, getting weapons around, information, things such like that. 
Um, initially, the British were very slow to react to these uprisings and these attacks because they're like, well, we're obviously the superior uh, force here. These are just a bunch of silly natives with with sticks. They're not fucking doing hardly anything. We don't need to worry about that. Like, it was very, very Keep racist. Keep thinking that, bitch. And very much like, yeah, it, like their own racism really fucked them over initially because they just weren't taking it seriously at all. Um not long after the um, the the guy there got killed, um, a state of emergency was declared. It was on October twentieth, and the hope was basically like, "We'll declare that we'll declare the state of emergency. We'll shut things down really fast, and then it'll be over." Uh, but the thing is, the Mau Mau found out about it, and they were like, mm, "We're yeah. going to avoid all that." And <laughs> so most of the people that got captured were either like the very moderate ones who were kind of like, "Well, I'm not in this in the long run anyway." Uh, whereas everyone else was like, nah, nah, we're going to keep this, we're going to keep this going. Um, the, 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 the attempt to defeat the Mamo basically came in two, two stages. The first stage we kind of talked about, there was sort of this initial, like fighting them in the forest a little bit, but not really taking it very seriously. And then eventually it started going on for much longer and they realized, oh, this is like yeah. a serious yeah. problem. What are we going to do? Let's throw everything at it. And that's when stage two came in, which was about 1954. Uh, and it had like a couple of different, um, parts of the second stage one of them was operation anvil which i'm going to talk about in a minute there was a, a big react um enacting of major agrarian reform and the institution of vast vigilization program for more than a million rural kikuyu um and basically the vigilization was like they literally would force people to stay in their village like they would put barbed wire all Jesus around these Christ. villages and there would be guards and it was like increased yeah. security and basically the idea is like if we contain them they can't go anywhere they can't fight us or, or join off go join so off if the, we build the a prison around them basically yeah <laughs> yeah and they did this around several villages. And again, keep in mind, these villages are also all these reserves are all very overcrowded. So now not only is it overcrowded, you can't fucking leave. So tensions are getting worse and worse. Uh, also, I'm not entirely sure exactly when this happened. I'm assuming in the second stage. But one source I read said that around six million bombs were dropped on Kenya by British forces. Jesus Christ. They were just Christ. constantly bo bombing these people in an attempt to stop the rebels. Yeah. The... The bombings um, were part of Operation Mushroom from 1953 to 1956, where uh, heavy bombers flew in and mm. dropped nearly six million bombs, including like using like blimps, six million bombs and and like dropped like, like leaflets telling them to stop their rebellion. But it's like. How much am mm -hmm. I going to believe you that you're on my side when you're both dropped a leaflet and a bomb? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Like, right. I was reaching for the leaflet, but then it got incinerated by a bomb and my arm got blown off. Like, Fuck. Also, like, if you need to drop Fuck six million shit. bombs, I kind of think you're already like losing a lot of ground yeah you've like lo you've, you've lost. lost if you need to drop like six million bombs just withdraw please right i feel like once you hit like a million bombs you probably <laughs> need to go like okay this tactic yeah. isn't working maybe i should try yeah. something else like not doing it's that it's giving um, vietnam like <laughs> maybe admit yeah, that you've lost a little bit right um okay so let's talk specifically about operation anvil 
The operation started on the 24th of April in 1954, when British military forces sealed off every road leading in and out of Nairobi, and then the surrounding locations, which were home to substantial Kikuyu populations in the city to prevent the Mau Mau from escaping. So kind of another step of almost the visualization thing, except they very specifically shut down Nairobi. Um, Within 48 hours of Operation Anvil, the British had detained 206 known freedom fighters. The first batch of prisoners were then tortured to extract information and forced to renounce their patriotism. Um, there was this uh, interesting thing where the Mau Mau, whenever they um, they joined the movement, they would have to say these certain oaths. So them having to renounce their patriotism was mm-hmm. was very symbolic and very much uh, part of the, part of like, breaking demoralizing their them, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it was a, a kind of a big deal. Um, they were questioned and brutally tortured by special teams. And we'll talk more about some of the different torture um, that happened later. Uh, those who were deemed harmless were released and returned to their homes, while those judged to be a danger to the British throne were detained. Now, the numbers for exactly how many people this affected really vary from source to source. The official number is 80,000 detained at the height of the operation. Jeez. But there was a scholar who, um, I, I think I have her name somewhere in here, uh, I think her name was Carol, Caroline something, who she actually wrote a book and part of her research was talking to Mau Mau veterans, because they're still veterans yeah. alive to this day. Uh, and she did this back in like 2005. And she spoke with them. And based on what sh- they said and what, what sh- research she gathered, the, um, the it was probably closer to somewhere between 160,000 to 320,000. So like roughly the number of people who like live in the city that I grew up in in prison in a, yeah in, you know detained yeah and it's not just and these aren't just like young men who might be a, like in in the Mau Mau resistance I, I think that was obviously not just men we're also talking literal yeah. families we are talking children we are literally talking a women, city uh, elderly a city's people a like anybody major city literally everybody people. yeah yeah, exactly. Uh, detainees were not allowed to speak publicly. Families were often separated, and little food or water was provided. Uh, and the detainees were the, det- the detainees, excuse me, were also used for forced labor. Yeah, of course, so, uh, basically of course. Uh, concentration yeah, camps, yeah. Mm-hmm. forced labor camps. That's what what was happening. Um, a couple of years later, Operation Anvil um, transitioned into what was called the pipeline. Mm, I don't and, like and, the and sound this is of that. where it's straight up concentration. <laughs> Absolutely no. the fuck not. Pipeline is never a good, like there's never a good connotation in which <laughs> no. the word pipeline is used. <laughs> it always leads somewhere bad. Not in concentration camps, not in wartime, not in MLMs, not in, it's, it's never, not even never literal good. pipelines. Um, <laughs> No, it's never, it's never like, a pipeline's never in the news and I'm like, oh, this is probably fine. It's, it's <laughs> never going to be like a cookie dough pipeline, you know what I mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> the cookie dough to yeah. my face pipeline, that would be fine, but... <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the, the pipeline essentially is now, str- it's, it's a series of concentration camps oh. and essentially the, the process of moving the teams, series of uh, between all these different camps. concentration camps. A oh series my God, of, that is I the know, it's a horrible sentence. Phrase. I never want to <laughs> Yeah, and it's based on their. Um, there's a. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry to future Kaylin. I'm really sorry. Oh god. Um, they're they're being categorized. <laughs> like literally the worst I thing broke them both. I'm ever so sorry. said to me. A series of concentration <laughs> camps. It's the fucking worst. Oh. Ah, this is horrible. I'm so sorry to everybody. Um. So. Th- 
them being moved around to the different camps was dependent on their supposed threat level. And they had a color system to determine like who was what. Oh, were they out of pink triangles? (laughs) They were out of pink (laughs) triangles. So they used um, the colors white, gray, and black. If you are deemed white... You were deemed basically not a threat at all. You were fine. You were put in good concentration camp. Not a threat. A a little on the nose. Yeah, it's. They were like white is good. Um, By the way. Yeah, no, it was so like I I literally had to reread that part several times because like they literally just called the good ones white. Okay. (laughs) You're an honorary white. And white was a lot of the potato um, salad. Um, and so like white was typically for like um, people who were who they decide were like loyalists, actual loyalists, as well as like women and children, because for the most part, they're not doing anything. Uh, gray is like your mid-level threats, like people who um, maybe aren't actively in the Mau Mau, but they aren't publicly denouncing them either, yeah. which is a problem for the British. And then black is the actual like Mau like suspected of <laughs> so actually it's black. Mau Mau or being I thought Mau Mau. the color system yeah. would be like yeah, the black or the bad. yellow and green. Or like, you know, the way we do with <laughs> nope. like nope, the it was tides. white, gray, and black. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and food was given out and prioritized based on those deemed most loyal. So if you were considered oh. one of the good ones, you were more likely to get so food like, than someone who wasn't. So like you said a nice thing yeah. about the queen, so you get to eat today. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Basically. Um, and also, uh, I watched a both very hilarious and very uh, disturbing propaganda film from around that time. And oh my God, it's exactly what you're expecting. Uh, yeah, but like in the in the video, it's like this British person coming out like, Ah, yes, Kenya. Most of the uh, inhabitants are very happy that we're here. But there are a few terrorists that we need to put Uh, into their place. I don't even need the quote. That was amazing. (laughs) Brava. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. Um, It was not surprising that they envied the Asiatics and whites' higher standard of living. And as the city grew, so grew resentment. Um, so, so yeah, so basically the, the, the way that Britain is playing this off publicly is like, this is like a small, like outliner of Mau Mau, uh, people who are just like, uh, they, they just, they're terrorists. They don't really represent yeah. the population. We're here for literally us in the Middle East. Like we're there just bringing yeah. them freedom. We're bringing them. Most of them are so <laughs> glad we're here. It's just a few terrorists. Yeah, and don't don't like ask yeah. them. But if you were to ask them, they would tell you how yeah. glad they are that we're here. But but don't, but don't again. I, I need. I need. I cannot stress enough. They're really tired them. of people asking yeah. them. <laughs> it's actually so really offensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we we are gonna get real real sad here for a second because I want to read a quote to you about what the concentration oh, no. camps were like. Oh no. Um, his, yeah, <laughs> just oh no. Hey, it's me, you know, your old pal. I loved you a lot, but still forgot to text sometimes because I do drugs. Um, This next part is going to be super triggering. Um, Content warnings for murder, torture, rape, sexual assault, battery, violations of the Geneva Convention, war crimes, concentration camps. Um, and probably more that I can't think of. Skip forward like 10 minutes or something if you want to avoid that. Which like, honestly, I wish that I had. 
just apologizing a lot during this section now. Um, so the historian Robert Edgerton describes the methods used. If a question was not answered to the interrogator's satisfaction, the subject was beaten and kicked. If that did not lead to the desired confession, and it really did, more fo- force was applied. Electric shock was widely used, and so was fire. What? Fire? Fire? Define they just burn them. fire. Just fucking burn them. That's just what it said. Jesus. I assume they were like literally setting them on fire or like what are we like what, or what are they like fucking witches in the 17th century? What are we doing here? Well, they're uh, they're defying the, the British crown. So they're basically as good Jesus as witches. Christ. Not like I think electric shocks are fine, but like. But that's like, par but for the fire. course. Just yeah. Fire, fire feels bad. very like yeah. barbaric. Yeah. Which like. Electric yeah. shocks also it's all, it's all are horrible. are barbaric, but for for the 1950s, like fire yeah. just feels again very like we're in the 17th century. Yeah, yeah exactly. It feels like yeah. what are we wearing buckle yeah. shoes here and, <laughs> and a pilgrim hat? Like <laughs> never, never trust a bitch in a buckle shoe with a lighter near you. That is what I have always said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to intru- in- interrupt um, your your Holocaust quote with the, the buckle yeah, shoe <laughs> commentary. Okay. Sorry to interrupt your Holocaust quote. I love this podcast. <laughs> what are we doing here? I don't know, and I love it. Um, what oh are gosh. we doing here? Okay. <laughs> Hey, we had to take a little break here. Um, so there felt like there was a space between that ha ha laugh laugh and then the continuation of the Holocaust quote. Um, but there wouldn't be for you. So this is that break. I hope you feel reset. Women were choked and held underwater. Gun barrels, beer bottles, and even knives were thrust into their vaginas. Oh my fucking God. Men also would have beer bottles thrust up their rectums, were dragged behind Land Rovers, whipped, burned, and bayoneted. Some police officers did not bother with more time-consuming forms of torture. They simply shot any suspect who refused to answer then told the next suspect to dig his own grave. Oh my when the God. Grave was finished, the man was asked if he would now be willing to talk. End quote. Yeah. I just, like. Homegirl was down there during this, right? So she wasn't there at the time this is all happening, but she was there earlier in the year. So she wasn't there in February of 1952 and then left. It was my understanding for what I read. So this all ha- this initially started in She October left because she had to get coronated in, in June of the next she year. Had to get, she had to, She was like, yeah, she had to get Daddy's ready. getting old, better head back to the UK. Oh, random fact, I found out too, her porter and guide at this like treetop safari hut that she was staying in, he went on to join the Mau Mau. Oh. I found some like random Good interview with him. him. Uh, she must say, have been real racist him. to him. I love the Mau Mau. <laughs> Well, it's funny because so he says that she was very nice, but he still joined the now. <laughs> <laughs> nice like, or well, not, I mean, she's still a fucking colonizer. Like, 
I mean, that that kind of holds up because everything we, we know about her is like everybody who meets her is like, actually, she's really nice and down to earth. But like what she represents is heinous. She is like right. the one and cop this, this, that you this meet. all happened under her. It's yeah. literally a cab. She is like the one cop that you meet yeah. who's like just just trying to be real nice to the people that I meet. But it's like but you're you're functioning within a system that like you're still part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if that yeah, cop was like the chief be a good of cop. police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so you know how exactly. you said the uh, a lot of the more like peaceful and like um, less, less I guess like direct action slash violence Mau Mau left leaving like only the like a, the more yeah. radical ones, um, yeah. it, the more radicalized. It reminded yeah. me of this quote by Anthony um, Oliveira. That was the queers who were nice, mm-hmm. patient, and gentle all got shot or bullied to death, and all that's oh, left are me yeah. and the other pissed off cockroach motherfuckers. Like, <laughs> that's immediately yes. what I thought of when I you said that, that because quote. I yeah. love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's so true. I I'm um, sorry, like I I so I, can't I can't stop no. circling back in my mind to the fact that they were taking like broken bottles and razor blades and raping yeah. them. Yep. That is yeah, all kinds of torture and, and everyone they're torturing men, women, and, and sometimes children too. How many, yeah. like what happened to the Geneva conventions? <laughs> like how many, how many international laws is that like violating? Like those are crimes against humanity. All of them. All of them. I mean, I know yeah. they were building <laughs> Holocaust. I know they were building concentration camps, which are also crimes against humanity, but like, like literally like raping people with broken bottles, like, Mm-hmm. A matter of what ten years after the end of the second world, less than ten years after the end of the second world war. Nine math is hard. Sorry, uh, yeah, not that long after. And actually, the literally the next thing I'm about to say to you, um, a June 1957 memo drafted by the Attorney General of the Kenyan Colonial Administration likened the mistreatment of suspected detainees to quote conditions in Nazi yeah. Germany. Uh, still, he advised the governor of Kenya, if we are going to sin, we must sin quietly. Yeah, because uh, we don't want to get people's attention. Fuck uh, you. Uh, uh, fucking, yeah. like, I mean. They knew what they were doing bef- was wrong. They, they knew. knew it. Before you even got to this horrific stuff, it. at the very, I, I almost interrupted you at the beginning when you said they were forced to, like, carry their papers around and stuff. Because I was like, it's it's feeling yeah. a little yeah. Nazi Germany right now. They took, insp- <laughs> they literally took inspiration. Like, yeah. yeah at that point oh, it's inspiration because yeah. it's it's a matter of like yeah. some of them some of them may have even been in some of those concentration camps <laughs> like yeah <sighs> um okay uh da, da, da. We, we are getting towards the end of this so i apologize this has uh, been going on for so long um at the end of 1955 the british appointed governor did allow some concessions to the Mau Mau, including land reform allowing native kenyans more freedom to grow cash crops and the right to vote in democratic elections. Fuck so, you. You can you can have a little universal suffrage as a treat. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Just just a smidge. Um and, and I did want to mention that because like there's a lot of debate apparently to this day in Kenya how helpful the Mau Mau were mm-hmm. in terms of getting to Kenya's eventual independence. 
And there are some people, one of the sources I watched for this video made a point to say like, well, everybody was kind of a villain in this story. And I was like, mm, no, no, they some weren't. People, <laughs> some people were definitely more villainous than others. Yeah, yeah. And, and I will say that there are stories about what the Mau Mau did to some of the loyalists and the uh, British settlers that they did attack. Like it was gruesome and it wasn't, it was also fucked up, but they were coming from a place of oppressed people, marginalized people who were being, uh, systematically, purposefully kept in poverty and horrible conditions, were not allowed to make nearly enough money to survive on. Um, they were coming from that angle, so I don't feel as bad for the white people who might have gotten they stabbed were, or they were like, they were abused or people the fighting back. Unfortunately, like they were abused you, people fighting back yeah. against yeah. their abusers. You like yeah. they were like literally like a kicked dog, like biting the owner's face off, like yeah. Exactly. That's what happens. If you keep kicking an, an animal, eventually it's going to it's going to bite you back. And, you know, too far. And they're like, ev- listen, everybody's bad here. Like- <laughs> yeah. And in terms of the numbers, the British were way did way more damage to the Kenyans than the opposite way around. And, and I'll say those numbers in a minute, actually, pretty soon. Um, but anyway, so the actual Mau Mau uprising lasted from 1952 to 1960. They were largely subdued by 1956, um, but the state of emergency actually stayed until 1960. And there were like some very small pockets that still remained until about that time, like people hiding in the forest and such. The Mau Mau movement remained officially banned until 2002. So not that long ago, Holy really. Shit. It was 20 like, years ago. It was illegal for them to have any, like, to publicly state that they were part of the Mau Mau movement in any way. You were not allowed to talk about this publicly. Like a Zoomer ago. Like one ago. TikTok influencer ago. One TikTok influencer <laughs> ago. <laughs> exactly. One Billie Eilish ago. Um, it was illegal. <laughs> Um, suppressing the uprising cost Britain over 50 million pounds Uh, it's believed that 90,000 Kenyans were killed or tortured many of those who died in the camps around half were children oh my god and again the number the exact numbers are not certain this is the number that I saw a lot of sources repeating but there's no no well I'm guessing there wasn't like perfect registries of everyone born than to everyone yeah. who died, right? Like being able to estimate yeah, that not. is very they, difficult. Um, it's it's famously hard to keep count of a genocide. It's very hard. <laughs> and and the they were doing the same thing that they did um in the Holocaust where they had like mass graves where mm-hmm. they were piling people six six people up. Um it was it was horrific. So we'll never know fully the the death toll or the amount of Kenyans who are still alive who were affected yeah. by it. Because there are obviously so many people who were affected by it who are still alive to this day or knew a family member. Um because for a while it was kind of like forbidden to really talk about yeah. because of course you have to be careful what you say or you're deemed a, a, a Mau Mau radicalist right so like there are some people who grew up not really knowing about this it didn't it was kind of hush hush yeah. for a while too um in comparison um I don't know how many British soldiers were killed by them but the the number that I, I fa- did find was that the Mau Mau killed around 2,000 Kenyans like the loyalists during the uprising and 32 British settlers 32. compared to 32? the number of people that the British and that killed. required 30 six million two. bombs? That required six million bombs. Oh my God. Fewer yeah, people subdue. than years I have been on this yeah. earth. Yeah. It, it's, it's so, it's so fucked Jesus up. Jesus Christ. Um, That's like less people than like died yeah. in like one retirement home when COVID hit. Like, yeah. And yeah. everybody was like, That's totally acceptable. But like thirty-two right. fucking settlers die, and and I love how we know the number is thirty-two. 
It's like yeah, they counted. Exactly. Yeah, it was an exact number. Because of course, yeah. the fewer they're going to count the white people. Fuck fewer people off. than the royal family have had personally killed. Fewer English yeah. people than the royal family have had personally yeah. killed. Just so just one particular type oh my demographic. God. Um, yeah. In the 21st century, there has been an increased visibility and discussion of the Mau Mau and the atrocities that were suffered. Uh, in November in 2002, so right after the Mau Mau movement was now officially not banned, uh, the Mau Mau Trust, a welfare group for former members of the movement, announced that it would attempt to sue the British government for widespread human rights violations. There was also, like I mentioned earlier, there was that book by Caroline Elkins in 2004 Five, based off the testimony of Mau Mau veterans that caused actually a lot of controversy at the time. Um, there were um, people who accused her of spreading Mau Mau propaganda. Uh, they basically were saying that her numbers were, quote, too inflated and it didn't make sense. But like, again, she did work with the Mau Mau on this. And she actually, I believe, worked with some of them, too, in the um, 2013 lawsuit that they brought against the british government they like mm -hmm. specifically asked for her help and so she brought like all these testimonies to court to be used in the in the trial so like yeah. it does seem like she there's a lot of accusations against her and i i obviously couldn't do a lot yeah, of research yeah. into her there's a lot of accusations i've seen where that she was quote sensationalizing that she was trying to profit off of it all of this stuff i don't know how much of that is true but it does sound like that when they asked her for her help specifically with those testimonies to bring them to court she did show up and she was like there's pictures of her standing with veterans protesting mm -hmm. like with signs right. and everything so it does seem like she did try to be an ally how perfect she was at that, I can't yeah. say. But I do want to mention that. I mean, like, also, who benefits um, from claiming that she's sensationalist? Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, like, and maybe she was, but, like, because of her, it got more attention. Mm -hmm. Because at this point, it, it's had been how many years later? And they were being essentially ignored. Yeah. Yeah. This entire time, they're asking for reparations. They're asking to I'd never heard of them. Compensated for the fucking... Yeah, I had never heard of them either. Um, the fucking horrors that have been done to them. And if this woman is maybe helping her own career out but also helping them out then like i guess that's one way to get attention to it right and it, and it did work mm -hmm. it really did help to bring more attention to this um in fact i believe at least one of the Mau Mau veterans did credit her and said like we it's because of her in part that we're here now yeah. so like there was like um, acknowledgement specifically from the veterans yeah which I think is important. So in 2013, more than 5,000 Kenyans received reparations from the British government in the form of 20 million pounds. <gasps> and also so a statue. Low. Yeah, oh so low. It's so low. <laughs> it's so low. Oh. 20 million. And only for 5,000 Kenyans. A little over 5,000 oh Kenyans. God. That's not that oh many people. God. A statue was erected to memorize the Mau Mau lost in 2015. Thousands of claims are still pending to this day. One of the numbers I saw was over 40,000. So a drop in the fucking bucket. Um, and there are videos online of veterans talking to reporters and saying, like, we want reparations. Yeah. This has gone way too long. And they specifically want the Kenyan government to do a lot more to actually act on their behalf because they haven't really been as helpful as they could yeah. be. To end on a slightly happier note, every October 20th, Kenyans celebrate and honor the Mau Mau, some of whom are officially recognized as national heroes by the government, which is a uh, very small comfort, but at least they are getting some recognition in their own country from people who, um, yeah. who know That's that amazing heroes. for like and, guerrilla yeah. warfare fighters who had to operate mm -hmm. in like complete secrecy. And secret. Um like, I, I don't know what it means to them. I don't know, like, how that really plays out, like, in Kenya. But I think that's a very 
that that is slightly heartwarming yeah yeah um and part of the reason why i even found out about the mau mau at all is that in june of this year earlier um so like what a couple months ago now um there was a video that kind of went viral for a little bit that was a former mau mau veteran a woman who um was talking to reporters about how she specifically wanted reparations straight from the queen she didn't want any middlemen anymore she was tired of waiting she wanted the queen to fucking take care of it personally uh and as far as i know the queen never responded or had a public statement about this i'm sure if if there was it was probably the same Mm -hmm. thing as before where it was like uh, no comment thank you um but like she uh shared a story about how her husband was a mau mau fighter and was off in the forest and um, the British soldiers came to her house and tortured her by, um, at one point, um, stabbing her twice in the leg with an axe. And in the video, you can see the indents to this day where she got Jesus. like cut with the Jesus axe. Uh, and she didn't. She still didn't turn. She didn't turn him in. Um, later, her husband nursed her back to health, and unfortunately, her husband never emerged back from the forest after he went in and. In the interview, she she says how she hopes one day that maybe he'll he'll come home still, and it's it's really oh heartbreaking, and very very sad. And she just seems like a fucking a badass lady. Um, I can't remember her name. I I know I wrote it down, but it was hard for me to pronounce, honestly. Um, but she, yeah, so so that's part of how I initially found out about it. So a big shout out to to her for uh, rightfully telling the queen to give her some fucking money because she deserves it. Mm-hmm. That's so fucked up. That is so fucked up. Yeah. Uh, Mandy, do you want to read out some <sighs> shitty, some shitty honors? I would love to. Um, <laughs> just completely change, change subject. Gears. It's not a very long list because I most, I mostly found this on a Twitter thread <laughs> that I thought was interesting. Um, but since we, yeah, earlier mentioned like, oh, Trump's claiming he was honored in secret. Here are all the people. Here are some people that I love that. Not all so the people, much. but here are some of them. Wait, I love it too. Die and it's just like, oh, did I ever tell you all about the time <laughs> totally that I was knighted secretly by? It's by so Queen. messy, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's I would very, do the like, same. Also, my cat. Okay, you know, one of my favorite things on Twitter or just on the internet is when a celebrity dies. And somebody's like, you know, I was their sandwich artist once and I'll never forget their order. They were so nice to me. They were on the phone, um, but they made sure to say please and thank you. And it's just like, this is this is your claim to fame, girl. Just go for it. Let it shine. Get go that fucking it. clout. Get that clout while the worms haven't even fucking dug in yet. I love it. Literally. We're not yeah. getting to tweets we liked yet, but one of the tweets I liked was just like, how can I make the queen's death about me? <laughs> Which is yeah, all of it. my Instagram at the moment. <laughs> my, It's so funny, the difference between Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is like all oh, shit posts about the queen. And then Instagram is like a picture of the queen and then a personal story about like, seeing her drive by once and how it was so important to you and it's literally just like how can i make Mm. this about me right now nailed it okay so here are is a very quick and definitely incomplete list of some shitty people that uh were honored by queenie in one way or another some of these are knighthoods some of these i think are just like honorary medals or whatever uh so for example uh presidents george bush senior and ronald reagan both (laughs) i believe both of them were knighted actually goats Wait, can you knight mm-hmm. Americans? Surely you can't give an American yeah. an OBE, can you? I think you, maybe, I don't know. I, I thought I saw, they said they knighted 
them. Oh, I just assumed you had to be Maybe a they British can't. Maybe some other honor. Okay. I don't fucking... I don't fucking... I'm probably pissing some British people off right now, and I don't care. <laughs> like, sorry I don't know every ridiculous way of your rules. Tell your bees. I googled Can You Knight, and the autocompletes are Can You Knight a Woman? Can You Knight a Dog? Can You Knight Yourself? Can you knight a dead person and can you activate Nightfall without the Riddler? Which I don't know what that one means. What? But can you knight an American? Uh, so you can have an honorary knighthood, but it's actually... It's not a real one. Against, yeah, but it's because it's like against American law. The United States Constitution does not permit any yes! citizen to hold a title of nobility. Fuck so, yeah. Okay. That is based. No, I like, I hate this country, but hell yeah. Fuck yeah. I have never felt more patriotic. Yeah. Get that shit out of this country. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to edit in Kaylin. <laughs> this is hell. Uh, so sorry, we interrupted you because I I was like skeptical about knighting Americans, and then we found out an amazing fact about America uh, that you you can have <laughs> you can basically have a mm -hmm. well we would knight you if we were allowed but your country doesn't allow nobility <laughs> love that i i like unironically yeah. <laughs> think that is based and awesome a rare win for the u.s oh no absolutely <laughs> a rare yeah, w like for the I united like states also, of america <laughs> like, the internet is so fucked up who the fuck is googling can you knight a woman like, just as many times <laughs> as can unite a dog. Like, fuck you. I feel like I feel like that reveals a lot about the British, though. <laughs> Fair. I feel like a lot of a lot of guys think, with really um, bad teeth and no rhotic R's have been arguing about whether or not you can knight a lady <laughs> while drinking their warm beers. And I think it if I remember right, it's <laughs> it's uh, a commander you, for you'll women, be a dame. If yeah, you're a woman, you, become, you don't get a knighthood. You still, you get I a think damehood. it's still an OBE, yeah. but you get a dame. Yeah. You get to be a dame. Yeah. Uh, a couple other ones. Colin oh, Powell. Oh, my favorite. We're also uh, honors the worst the person queen. who's ever lived. And I can't believe uh, the queen didn't outlive Henry Kissinger. That man, he's got to be like 102 by now. Isn't I he? know. I can't wait till he dies. I he's, I need to start writing think, yeah, this episode he's up there. now because I Please called do. dibs on him before we ever even recorded an episode. Like, so that episode, you did. that episode is that, mine. If I'm scheduled to work that day, I'm calling in sick. I'm getting shit-faced. I'm like the worst man who has ever lived. <laughs> um, also, I have no idea uh, who Henry Kissinger is. Don't look him up. Uh, the only thing I know about oh, him is Don't that he's been up, showing Kaylin. up in memes. I can't wait for you to be surprised. <laughs> oh, no. I hate spoilers. It's gonna be like yeah, it's gonna no, be like a absolutely. five hour episode. You're, you're in for a wild ride. We might yeah, have to split be it long up long over a couple a of days. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a lot. Um, last two I'll mention: uh, Derek Wilford, who was in command on Bloody Sunday in Northern Ireland, um, in which. Uh, unarmed citizens were shot and 14 died. 
and apparently he got honors like not long after that happened too from what i saw it was like real oh, real off. real cringy really bad look and the last one and i'm probably gonna mess up his name but i believe it's simon perez a former israeli president who did many terrible things his rap sheet is real bad and i'm dibsing him yes. actually because i want to do an episode about him in the future um, including overseeing the Kana massacre and the ethnic oh. cleansing of Palestinians. Did she do this herself? I can't wait. Like, did she, is she involved in these ceremonies or is it like a piece of paper? She's involved in the ceremonies. Like she, she knights them or what gives them the medal or whatever the, the process is. Like she's physically there. I don't know much about like the choosing process, how much of that is her or somebody else, well, she but can- like still. She could simply stay in bed. Right. She could be like, nah, I'm not going to give somebody who was in charge of ethnic cleansing an award today. Thanks. Yeah. Well, this this is the thing. Like, if she wanted, like, everyone's going to say in response to this episode um, that she simply is not in charge of all this stuff. But, like, feel free to take a walk. Off a short pier. You you can abdicate abdicate the the fucking fucking throne. throne. Yeah. Like, fucking jinx. Iconic. She was literally, she only became a queen because a guy abdicated. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah. Um, So now we are going to, uh, because Mm -hmm. we are one member of the Commonwealth and two Americans, Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to hear from uh, a couple of people that are a little bit more closely related to... uh, the que- not like blood related to the queen, but like uh, who- whose lives have been impacted a little bit more by uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, a couple of friends of the pod, uh, Mika from the uh, YouTube channel Ponderful, um, and our friend Neil from the YouTube channel The Leftist Cooks um, have got a little bit to say about their relationship to QE2. And when we come back from that, we're going to share a few of the uh, tweets from from QE2's death day that we that we liked the most. Well, hey there, respect the dad. Longtime listener here, first time caller. I'm kind of fangirling right now, although if I sound like I really don't care at all, that's because I have COVID. Let me tell you about Queen Elizabeth. Maybe you've heard of her. Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Saxe-Coburg Gotha Windsor, because she might have been your majesty, but she was never my majesty. And anyway, what's the big deal anyway? She was just a figurehead, a, a walking, talking statue of Britishness, if you like. Okay, well, that's actually the first thing I'd like to address. For example, members of the House of Lords are appointed by the Queen, or King now, I guess, on advice from the Prime Minister. And this can include all sorts of terrible lords. In fact, a report from 2019 found that the House of Lords was rife with bullying and sexual harassment of staff, that some of them, who had never officially spoken in the House of Lords, still claimed expenses of up to £50,000. Those were Liz's appointees. These lords don't have to be barons and dukes and earls, of course, and they often are, often cousins and distant relatives of the Queen, but also generally they're movers and shakers of elite British society, former politicians, Andrew Lloyd Webbers, that kind of thing. The UK loves to brag about its devolved parliament, how instead of having a real revolution, they managed to let them have cake and eat it in terms of their royalty. But Britain is absolutely ruled by elites, from the merchants and lawyers of Eton College to the vast array of true aristocrats. 
They do rule by way of hoarding the wealth, making the laws, and influencing the political landscape. The sheer amount of history that this woman ruled over is pretty mind-boggling. In 1953, when she was crowned, the Mau Mau uprising had just started in Kenya. In fact, she was touring East Africa on a rally to sort of keep Africa British when her dad died and she technically became queen. That conflict in Kenya would see 20,000 Kenyans killed, although the official figure according to the BBC is 11,000. Funny that. Maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't heard of the concentration camps in her first eight years as queen. It is funny how official history is very kind to Liz. After all, you didn't ask this Irish person to talk about Kenya. Let's talk about Ireland. Let's talk about both Irelands, the Republic and Northern Ireland, a disputable realm of the British Empire just up the road from Dublin. Elizabeth's official British history is one of reconciliation, of shaking hands with Martin McGuinness, former head of the IRA, that's the Irish Republican Army, that is a dissident military revolutionary force, perhaps you've heard of them, perhaps you've heard of them purely as a terrorist organisation, but the RUC, the Royal Ulster Constabulary, that's the British military police in Northern Ireland, they weren't terrorists, they were official. And when they opened fire on unarmed civilians on Bloody Sunday as recently as 1972, that wasn't an act of terror. When Belfast and Derry were gerrymandered such that Irish Catholics simply could not vote, a system implemented and ratified by both the British Commons and the British House of Lords, that was official. And we make a big song and dance of Liz shaking hands with a former IRA man because famously the IRA blew up her cousin, Lord Louis Mountbatten. That is also official. But what's less well advertised is at least two alleged cases of underage rape by Mountbatten of two boys from Belfast one of whom was in a boy's home at the time, which was later revealed to be part of a sex trafficking ring for powerful British figures. This is sometimes cited as the actual reason he was targeted by the IRA, who, by the way, both British security forces and forces in the Republic of Ireland warned Mountbatten not to come to Ireland, and that news was circulated to the Crown, but he came anyway. The news of his death was apparently devastating to Liz, but not nearly so much as it was to a young Prince Charles, king now, I suppose, and a young Prince Andrew, upon whom Mountbatten had apparently left a lasting impression. Unfortunately, I can't do more than paint a picture with innuendo and rumour. She was just a figurehead. Maybe she allowed terrible things to happen beyond just having a four billion pound hat while accepting taxpayer money and a sordid fortune in international debt to flood into Buckingham Palace. Maybe she also knowingly protected paedophiles, reigned over concentration camps and war crimes, and was an unapologetic racist. Who can say? But if she's just a figurehead, isn't that bad enough? Sure, she's not Adolf Hitler, but she's kind of a swastika. And in typical Sunday Times, BBC, official, civilised, British style, they dress their swastika in pastel colours and silly hats and Christmas fucking speeches. Thank you, Neil. That was fucking amazing. I feel like I've had a weird relationship with British monarchy. But it's going to be a bit weird being the anarchistic abolitionist product of a proud military family though, isn't it? Despite my family's best efforts, I think monarchies are ridiculous things to see in this day and age, and honestly, I think every member of the royal family should just go away. Their lands, estates and jewels should be reclaimed, and they should all go and get proper jobs. 
But I can't deny that there's a dissonance, having been raised in an environment where Minan would stand for the national anthem, hand on heart, where my Scottish, pro-independence, labour voting, union joining mom, wouldn't hear a bad word said about the Queen, where my parents happily admitted that they were brainwashed by the military into being unquestioningly supportive of the Crown but where this fact never really led them to question that support, or their despair at me and my unpatriotic ways. I guess because, to them, being in the military was good, so the things that happened therein also good, I think. Maybe. But I always instinctively hated the military. And honestly, I was angry at my parents for joining. Not because I had a sound anti-military industrial complex analysis by the age of five, but because I knew that it was the thing that could send my parents away to die. And my parents made sure that I knew that Queen Lizzie number two was the one to whom they had pledged their lives and allegiance. And then they were shocked that I had some thoughts about this Elizabeth character. Being the angsty, argumentative and autistic teen that I was, I did set out to change the minds of those around me, as they did with me. Get this right, my whole family thought that I would join the army one day. Because why wouldn't you, after all the fun your parents had seeing the world? Just ignore that we're literally going to war with the concept of terror right now. But while they soon dropped their hopes of my military career, None of my reasons, or research, or history, or even facts and logic could cut through the idea that a monarch is a protective force for a nation. Evils done by monarchs were waved away as being of that time, or a necessary evil. The constant was that the king or queen has the country and its people at heart, and has a duty towards them. You can see this clearly in the propaganda being blasted across British televisions right now. The nation's grandmother, caring, maternal, duty-bound, level-headed, dependable. The monarch is a shield against dictatorship, because wouldn't it be awful if an unelected weirdo with thoughts of eugenics, racism and social cleansing rose to power in the UK? See, if this was a video essay that I was doing, I'd be showing pictures of members of the royal family being Nazis, and then also the current government front bench, just FYI. Because, like, who is to say that whatever random royal is in charge doesn't just agree with this wannabe dictator fellow? And looking at history, the odds, frankly, are not in our favour. Again, more mental images of Nazi royals, please, because let's not forget that a good number of British aristocrats were proud Nazi sympathisers. I had so many arguments. I debunked all the arguments. It's not like they don't know that tourists still visit French palaces, despite all that guillotine stuff. It's not like they don't know that empire was bad, or that the crown owns loads of land and, like, whole villages and stuff. They know the House of Lords is undemocratic. They know that, technically, being born into power isn't great. They know that the royals cost millions, 
treat their workers poorly and keep disrupting society by constantly insisting on getting married and dying and stuff. They know their history of how royal families took power. They proudly know that history, in fact. The thing is, they just like it. They like the shiny stuff. They like the national nostalgia for fictional characters like King Arthur. The cultural myths of good and godly lords. They love the pomp and the gowns and the carriages and the harking back to an age that never really was. If you ask a MAGA person when America was great, they can't answer coherently. But that's not the point, is it? It's an idea of greatness, with blanks that each person can fill in by themselves. She's your grandmother. Your gran wouldn't oversee the oppression of millions, would she? You wouldn't want people to abolish your gran. And like, the queen did remind me a lot of my nan. I mean, this was mainly because my nan modelled herself on her. She was constantly trying to leave behind her working class Essex upbringing. My nan did see the queen as a role model, a person to emulate. Like millions of women across the country, I'd imagine. A role model for the plebs to look up to. An aspiration for the nation. While you know that you will never reach the realms of royalty, shoot for the moon. Because even if you miss, you'll at least have an RP accent and own full of now worthless ceramic ornaments. Shout out to me, nan. But I'm seeing the same thing now, but with a different and even more toxic twist. Posts all over my Facebook timeline bemoan the useless layabouts and lazy scroungers complaining about the woman who worked every day for 70 years. How, no matter what you think about monarchy, we can all agree that she worked hard, unlike most of the people complaining on Twitter. This stuff is being shared by working class, disabled, struggling and vulnerable people. The British tendency to doff cap and tug furlock, to lick boot, so to speak, is deep-seated. Having a received pronunciation accent, or heaven's helpers an upper received pronunciation accent, that will still get you far in modern Britain despite an utter lack of any other discernible skills, again I would be showing photos of the current front bench. The idea that the most a working class person can aspire to is to be perceived as middle to upper middle class, it's still alive and well in the UK. While not always discussed these days, class divisions is an implicitly understood reality for most Brits, and it is seen as a constant. You might be able to move within the system, but the system itself remains unchanged. And constant things are reassuring, aren't they? Change, after all, is a scary old thing. How often over the past few days have I heard, she's just always been there, or she's been a rock unchanging, the nation's anchor, we are now lost in her absence. The use of class division, of segregation, of reassuring posh accents, of elite schools in which all the important things are surely being taught, the things we probably wouldn't understand. The use of class war, of austerity, 
and then the victim-blaming benefits cheats narrative which all recent governments and news cycles have expertly wielded in order to focus working-class anger horizontally instead of upwards. Do not underestimate how masterfully the British establishment has controlled its people. It's one of the longest operating systems of that kind in the world. The British Conservative Party are one of the most successful political parties of all time, and the class system which upholds the enormous and bloody weight of royalty is so deeply embedded, and is the reason why minimum wage workers will spend their money on roses for the Queen. Why my Facebook page is full of disdain at anyone who would dare besmirch her madge. And why, I fear, British people will spend time mourning a monarch instead of arming themselves against what will be a deadly few years for the British working class. And that makes me fucking angry. A lot of this episode has been haha, dead queen, worms, fries, dick jokes. Um, so it was nice to have some balance in here, some, some prose even. Um, so thank you, Mika and Neil, for that. I would like to say more about how much I enjoyed those, but I am on hour 10 of editing. So I'm not going to do that. But thank you. <laughs> All right. And we're back. Let's find some tweets. Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite ones that I saw was <laughs> there's a picture of, of the palace and somebody has put photoshopped a big spirit of Halloween banner over it. And it says, well, they move fast <laughs> for like a silly one that I saw that I really liked. I saw a bunch of responses to that one being like, what the fuck is a spirit Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> that was just for the Americans. Oh, my friends. <laughs> that was just for the Americans and the Halloween lovers like myself. Okay. I'm going to share two of my favorites. Uh, one is from at Ben underscore Rosen, Ben Rosen on Twitter. And it says in parentheses, solemnly. Yes, yes queen. queen. I died when I saw that one. <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> yes, I saw that one. Um, the other one is from uh, at LCK Fisher on Twitter. And at the time that she tweeted it, she had changed her uh, profile picture to Paddington Bear and her name to <laughs> Paddington Bear. <laughs> and it said, uh, British people telling Americans to have empathy in it when they joke about U.S. school children getting shot to death every other day. LOL! Exclamation point. <laughs> oh yeah, I did see that yeah. one. <laughs> um, my fave were I like obviously that TikTok um, yeah. that I played Adele. <laughs> um, but then I happened to see three tweets in a row that I sent to the group chat, and those are actually going to be mine. Uh, Cardi B said, I had to stay out of Twitter today because y'all keep making me laugh and I ain't going to hell with you. <laughs> I saw um, that one. <laughs> She's so real for that. <laughs> oh, right? The one directly underneath said, Lord, forgive me for the tweets I'm about to like. <laughs> and then directly under that, it said, joking about the queen dying is not okay. Whether you like her or not, she was someone's wife, mother, sister, cousin, this is a very hard day for that one. Man. <laughs> I 
I saw, that one too. I saw another one that was like a similar <laughs> setup to that. It was like she was someone's mother, someone she was a mother, she was a sister, uh, and a loving cousin to her husband. <laughs> they're so good it was a perfect day on twitter there's so many ones that i retweeted that just like aren't good for sharing on a podcast like there's one that's like pouring one out for the yeah yeah. and they're like pictures there's one that's like pouring one out for the queen and it's a picture of a wine glass filled with baked beans (laughs) (laughs) also one of my favorites (laughs) it was it was a fake one, but the one I sent to the group chat that was blatantly uh, yeah, fake, because yeah, yeah. I think it was like Nancy Sinatra or something like that. But it was the one that was a picture of the corgi standing there with like the dropped leash, but someone had added a portal <laughs> yeah. to hell like, <laughs> on the ground next to it. So it looks like it's looking where she fell. It's I love that one. Uh, and there's also uh, this tweet that I shared from uh, actually friend of the of the the show, uh, Phil, that dang Phil, that dang dad, who has a YouTube channel. Daddy Phil. Uh, he said... Uh, Daddy Phil, uh, Queen Elizabeth won't see all your jokes about her dying pathetically on a mountain of stolen wealth, but your friends who are bandit captains, local warlords, and gold hoarding dragons will. <laughs> that one did pretty well, too. Good good job. Phil. There's also, this is more of a, like, go look it up because it includes a TikTok video, but um, I don't know her on Twitter, at I underscore don't underscore no underscore her. Uh, <laughs> bro, it doesn't get any more camper than a drag queen recording a birthday message on a cruise ship, finding out that the queen has died over the tannoy. And they included like a TikTok it's video so of literally a drag queen who was saying, like, on a PO cruise, which is a, a British uh cruise company, uh, who's like s- sending a happy birthday message out like to herself out and then suddenly they, they come in over the tannoy and they say that the queen has died and she tries to recover by just being like oh this is a sad day <laughs> like it's so funny go find it's so like it's peak awkward it's moment neat, isn't it? i'll always remember where I <laughs> <laughs> like i was on the britannica and they have a portrait of her hanging up yeah <laughs> She really tries hard to recover and make it something somber, but it's uh, it's just camp uh, gold. I, I showed it to one of my friends. Um, <laughs> they watched it and they were like, oh, I think she did well. I'm like, that was horrible. <laughs> that was she such tried. a bad recovery. I mean, A She for really effort. did try, but she made it like she failed. She was like, I'll always remember when I was. And I'm like, no, she is. She is panicking. Yeah. She is struggling. She is doggy paddling, but she has been struggling. in the water for hours now and she's about to go under. She's like, how yeah. the fuck do I end this message? And it's like, sweetie, you're not going live. It's a TikTok. You can just delete it. I know. <laughs> but stop. she needed she you needed a like reaction of her of her like Finding gorgeous out. gorgeous beat face in the middle of fucking daytime like <laughs> the ocean it. behind her <laughs> yes I also loved basically every tweet that was just like, wow, Irish Twitter is having yes. the best yeah. day today. Uh, there was one also, I think I retweeted that was like, computer, only show me tweets from <laughs> Ireland. Irish Twitter and black that Twitter were like on what, and like black, and Twitter, black Twitter, black Twitter. I must follow a lot of accounts that like retweet black Twitter. And stuff. Indian Twitter. Cause like every uh, time a major news event happens, most of my feed is just like fucking black Twitter, which is like fire. It's the thing I miss most about Game of Thrones because mm-hmm. Black Twitter was like the best place to celebrate how bad that series got. Um, it is worth pointing out, uh, given that we are like three white people who are <laughs> yeah. 
dunking on the queen right now. Um, the complete like loyalty of the the, the British and the British press right now, mm-hmm. uh, going mm-hmm. specifically after. I think almost entirely black, but definitely people like, of color. Fully people of color for having takes yeah. on this, mm-hmm. even when those takes are just like retweeting things that like even just a bunch of white people said. Yeah, like they're going mm-hmm. for like a full on a cancellation campaign. Yeah. We've joked to, like, about getting canceled, but people actually black, have. Yeah, like, black people have. Yeah, and they they've yeah. all been people of color, yeah. predominantly black. Yeah. So I just wanted to like point it's that worse. out. Uh- it's also <laughs> worth mentioning yeah. that. People have uh, pro- people protesting have started to get arrested. Um, there was a woman arrested oh, in okay. Edinburgh for holding up a sign that said "Abolish the Monarchy." Um, there was someone else who was arrested uh, recently too. Uh, that That's I saw. So fucked up. Uh, so like, yeah, uh, there's some weird f- free speech stuff going on there right now there was also um i think it was Mm -hmm. sky news was reporting right now in in london um there's uh a peaceful march for a black man that was um that was murdered by the police in london um and sky news uh Mm -hmm. had some footage of that and were reporting them as mourners marching for the like why would they be marching marching for the queen oh Oh, go fuck fuck yourself fucking almost jinx um yeah and it's not it's a it's a completely different it's a protest oh my god um yeah so uh that's fuck off yeah um so there's there's some weird there's not enough people fucking mourning her let's like start stealing there's some weird shit going on uh at the moment on extremely normal island (laughs) yeah on extremely normal island there were some really fun uh tweets uh playing on the fact that it's like a transition of power uh saying that jk rowling is furious that the monarchy just transitioned (laughs) from a woman to a man (laughs) oh all those pronoun changes are going to in all the official documents yeah Uh, she is scrometing Uh, she actually tweeted like <laughs> it's some garbage in support of the queen. That's surprising. Was- yeah, I mean we're we're zeroing in on three hours now too. A lot of it needs to be coming out. Um, was there anything we, else we wanted? Have we dragged I this corpse of- all the way to Me- Westminster and then dragged it, <laughs> dragged, dragged it to it hell? Back. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are at two hours, fifty two minutes, and fourteen seconds. I'm going to. You got die. this, Caitlin. We believe in you. Thanks for believing in me. My eyes sting. Okay, so from Kaylin Conrad, Hoots, and mainly Mandy. Bye, Bye Queen. Queen. We're going to jail, and then hell. <laughs> <laughs> I am losing friends over this. And then- <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of respect the dead you can follow respect the dead on instagram and twitter at underscore respect the dead if you want to follow us individually you can find our socials in the show notes and you should check out our youtube channels we don't shit on dead people there as often but still we're making tons of cool stuff if you enjoyed respect the dead and would like to support us there's a couple of ways to do that you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. If you leave us a review, we can read it out on the podcast. 
Reviews are the best way for new listeners to discover the show. Give us at least five stars and then share us with a good friend who likes venting about dead people. You can also give us some money over on our Patreon. Patreon supporters get some cool bonus content like bloopers from the cutting room floor and even coming up with a fake sponsor ad that we'll read in an episode. It has to be a fake business, though, not your MLM, honey. Thanks so much for listening. Join us every Monday for our next Worm Feast. I'm Kellen Conrad. I'm Ailey Mandy. And I'm Hoots. Bye. 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 Bye.